The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I wish I could say we had time to go full NPR, but we are running a little late, so we won't. Uh, I am your host for tonight, Rodicat! You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter, you can find me at News News Need on Twitter, uh, News News Needs Reddit, and CB Caps on Instagram and with me tonight the man behind the sideboard who luckily the gremlins got worked out agent underscore so uh, agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram what's up everybody thank goodness after numerous reboots we got rid of the audio gremlins or at least for this <laughs> they're always waiting in the wings always uh, and not with us tonight is um PC and underscore dirt on Twitter, um, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and the various uh, umbrella sites therein. I, I was going to say we're just going to count him as a as a you know if he shows up he shows up from now on. <laughs> At least for the rest of the summer. Well, just in general, but that's sure. Uh, but uh, also not with us tonight is. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8, the Osiris that is ish on Twitter. Oh, wait, he's Tim Dog 98 on Twitter, not the Osiris of the shit, but he should be. Um, <laughs> if he hears this, he can go ahead and change his, change his uh, thing accordingly. But also, you can find him at the Click Nation on Twitter. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. And uh, CB Cron on Twitter. And, of course, Combo Resources, where he's over there writing his face off. And I don't think we have any more sites for anybody and well until I get mine off the ground, whichever that will be. But you can find this here podcast on Google Play and Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, uh Spotify, and also the Cole Slither Sound uh, the Cole Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. That is a mouthful. And of course, you can find this here podcast on the network. Cole Slither Podcast Network, that is. You can find it at coldslithercspn.us. Uh, I was about to spell out the whole darn thing. That's crazy. Uh, go there. You'll be joining us soon. All that good mess. Man, I should have wiped my face before I in there, but no one's going to see this. This is a mostly audio podcast. We're going to start off this week um, with our daily prescribed notions of comic books like we tend to do. And we're going to start off with Thor number 15, which surprisingly bandwidth um, tie-in to War of the Realms, which I guess officially comes to a close this week with, this, with the next book we're going to talk about afterwards. Right. So what's funny about this, and we, li- we literally just discussed this right before coming on the air, Thor number 15 is part of the conclusion to War of the Realms, but actually does not bear the banner of the event on the cover. 
Right. So it's directly tied to that. So right, it's kind of an undercover part A or part B. For us, it's actually part A. If we read both of them, hmm. it's a uh, part A of the conclusion. Right. But or the postscript to War of the Realms. Correct. So if you're if you are not reading Thor, um, like yeah, you do, and you've re- been reading War of the Realms, and you see this Omega book, you'll be like, okay, well, here's the thing. That's the thing. Well, here's comes the reason why you should probably want to read Thor number fifteen. Right, and they do they do hit upon very similar subjects, and do ultimately fulfill what they were meant to do. But I think if you read both of them in conjunction, it's a much fuller experience, and you're 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 left with more information going into the aftermath. It is, but it isn't, and I will get on that point when we start talking about the Omega book. All right. Well, with 15, uh, we're dealing with the direct aftermath of War of the Realms with regards to Thor himself and uh, the result of the the events of the last issue of the War of the Realms miniseries proper, wherein Odin proclaims, spoiler alert, Odin proclaims that uh, Thor is now All-Father Thor, Lord of Asgard, Savior of the Realms. Yes, and the fact that this issue takes uh, place directly after the last page of uh, War of the Realms number six, if I'm not mistaken, because it ends with that proclamation. Right. And then just jumps, rolls on into this. Right. So, with all that said, um, you know, Thor is taken aback and we find out uh, what has happened to well he kind of uh, takes a powder basically and uh, needs some time to assess uh, what's happened and uh, Jane Foster also needs some time to assess what's happened Mm -hmm. and back on earth um, everyone's trying to figure out what has happened to Loki uh, in in the wake of the defeat of the Frost Giants in New York City. Specifically Freya, who was seems to be the most, obviously, most concerned for him. Right, so this is the first, uh, this is the first point in the book where I felt like if I had read Thor number 15 before reading Omega, this would have made more sense hmm. uh, with regards to uh, Loki's story. Loki's story, I think, reads much better if you read this book first. Then, if you read Omega first, well, I yeah, we'll get into that also. But yeah, I think all of them, all of it, would pretty much serve better. In fact, I would just go ahead and say it like I was going to say when we got to that point. Mm-hmm. I feel like this should have been the Omega book as opposed to what we got. Not in saying there's anything wrong with what we got, mm-hmm. but we kind of we had already been getting, um, we've pretty much been getting these 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 quote unquote hints. Or, or, or these little, these, um, you know, interludes, you know, in during the course of War of the Realm, specifically the last book. So it's not, I'm not saying it's not necessary, but it's less necessary for right. War of Omega. But more, uh, Thor 15, though, yeah, like I said, it just kind of goes through it, it touches on uh, one, one or two of them, like uh, Agent 70 said, that um, um, Omega will address a little bit more. But yeah, this, this is definitely tied more into, hey, this is, you know, Thor right after what happens and, you know, where 
I guess this and the next the, the next final issue is uh, going to get into. Right. Well, uh, there were a real there were a couple of really great character moments in this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, first among them was uh, where uh, where Thor finds himself amongst his future and past self and with current Odin. Yes. And it's kind of a message to all fathers and sons out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also a wonderful punishment doled out by both Hela and uh, <laughs> Carnilla, Queen of the Norns, who were co-leading or co-queens of Hell. Right, which I, I had to read on that part because I was like, wait, when did this happen? And then I read a little bit. I'm like, wow, Carn- Carn- Carnilla is actually still around. <laughs> right. And... If you recall, oh, that's the thing, because if you weren't keeping up with Thor, mm-hmm. that's how Boulder gets out of hell. Because right. he yeah, was actually that. the ruler of hell. Or w- was destined to be, anyway, before Carnella did what she did. Yeah, Right. So, uh, I thought that the punishment doled out against Malekith the Accursed was poetic. poetic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was... Uh, you couldn't understand how this would make anyone feel any pain, but then you realize this is what drove, uh, or the lack of this is what drove Malekith to do what he did. Mm-hmm. And to see this uh, come forth as a punishment, I thought was, uh, was was pretty poetic and pretty funny. Yeah, it was well done. Well done. I was like, I didn't, because you need, well, actually, because coming out of the war, it's like, well, Malekith has been dealt with, but we don't, we didn't necessarily know how, so therefore it was like, well, unless you end up reading Thor, or it would have come up in the Omega book, you'd have been like, okay, well, mm-hmm. Malekith's off the table, so it's whatever. But the way they, right. but the way they deal with them, they kind of, they take a length and, um, and uh, talk about that, which is, which is great. At first right. I was like, I don't know where they were going with this, I was like, okay, because it's like, seemed like there was nothing you could really do to the dude <laughs> it was a great reveal. Yeah. It was a great reveal because they slow played you. Mm-hmm. They slow played the reader. You did not really understand what was going on until you turned the page and right. then it all made sense. It fell into place. And I was like, huh, okay. It looks like it was going to go this way, but oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we know that's what drove you, so therefore, here we go. So, right. So it was perfect. <laughs> it was the perfect ending to the book. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now we can we can actually transition into War of the Realms Omega, mm-hmm. and I think that the reason why this was still kind of necessary is that it did help to wrap the War Scrolls book by in, Kinda, uh, yeah. by 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 at least involving the main protagonist of the War Scrolls book, which was Daredevil. Or they basically made it well. They made they tied the epilogue in from from the end of uh, War Scrolls, uh, definitely. Cause, yeah, because they basically wrapped up that pit, that part with um, Daredevil, you know, at the end of, um, well, in the midst of issue six of War of the Realms, you know, and then him dealing with, you know, what he had gone through, which still, so, and I, I'm guessing this is all still being placed because the timeline, because obviously I'm not reading Daredevil, but you know, because you've been reading it, that there are some things going on in Daredevil that I'm assuming. Or I guess could be assumed comes comes out of this because like we kind of know that he doesn't have on the suit. It's 
it's weird. It's it, it's one of those tie-ins that I have not, or at least I don't recall mm-hmm. reading exactly where this falls into Daredevil's continuity. Mm-hmm. And the current state of the Daredevil books has him pretty much still on the retired side, so it's kind of hard to figure where he comes into play here. Right. And I just assumed it was before. Like, like the Daredevil book is after War of the, War of the Realms some kind of way. Which is hard to fathom. Yeah. Because the Daredevil book, as it has run thus far, has him recovering from the events of the previous Daredevil run, and he's still not 100% physically and mentally. Mm. So my suspicion is that this comes after the immediate events of the current Daredevil storyline, and it's going to slot in right after. Mm. That's my suspicion. Sure. But just because I'm more familiar with the current events of the Daredevil book, so that's that's where I think this is going to fall. Sure. And it'll just be an interlude where uh, the next storyline is going to be set after the events of War of the Realms and War of the Realms uh, War Scrolls. But yeah, but back to Omega off of that because obviously you could just go as comic continuity to be damned on on uh, in between this kind of stuff. But, to an extent, yeah. to an extent, and 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 we'll get to the the, the the wrap of this book, and that's that's something I did want to discuss. So, as we mentioned earlier, War, uh, uh, this Omega issue, much like Thor number fifteen, can kind of be read together, and you know, quite kind of a part, you know, like an A and a B. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the aftermath and in this issue we really see uh uh the 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 thought process behind what jane foster is thinking in conjunction with thor as her responsibilities change and she she realizes that there's still a job for for her to do using the remnants of the uh the war thor slash Ultimate Thor Hammer, mm-hmm. and uh, it's funny. I don't recall the name. They, 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 I guess they renamed it the All Weapon. Apparently, it yeah. changed right because it changed. It changed form. Right. Which, yeah, I don't recall. Did well. You you read that that part of the story? Did that ever happen? When? Doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. Does not ring a bell at all. I did not have a chance to Google it though. But it did not ring a bell. Sure. And as uh, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we really see how we get to Jane Foster's new role in the Marvel universe. So let me let me do this short and sweet because uh, so yeah, just like War Scrolls, there was there was basically like two or three. There was like three or four different little mini stories, um, right. and all of them with except well, yeah. Well, with the exception of the Daredevil uh, um, Heimdall one, which is basically in a, a, the truest sense of an epilogue for his part. But these are all little shorts that set up the books that are coming. Right, they're launch points. Right, that's pretty much all they're doing. Now, that being said, if you were not one person, like, this is basically a first world problem, so I recognize that fully. If you were not a person who didn't say, look at the news for comic book news and or read the solicits, Right. This is useless to you because you kind of know it's coming. You just don't know 
you, you might not know some A to B. But if you were just reading War of the Realms and you and uh, and you get to this point and be like, okay, well, here's an epilogue story and we'll see what happens out of that. Thinking it could have been something more like Thor 15 when it's kind of not, but kind of is kind of not. So this is uh, so you see jumping off points for uh, Jane Foster, Loki, uh, Punisher, Punisher going into their books that are coming. And that's pretty much all this book does. Like, there's not a bit of problem with that. Like I said, if you did not have prior knowledge of some of this stuff, or you know wanted to read it anyway, right. and it's not really a problem even then, because like I said, it it is what it is. But I feel like even you know in issue six and and um, of war the and even in some of the tie-in uh, therein, like we kind of got some of this. Like yeah, we know like um, like okay yeah. Like even if you didn't know some of these books were coming, they kind of hinted that there was some more stuff coming off coming um, coming along the way. If you were paying any attention, so that's why, which is why I was saying earlier, uh, I think before we um, before we but before we started, like Thor fifteen was a better Omega issue than Omega was for me because of that. But at the same right. time. Like I said, it's the first world thing because, like I said, I, I at least check out the comic book news and have seen. Right, some it's stuff. our business. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it actually is our business to be on top of, or at least uh, somewhat informed. Yeah, right. No, but at least stay on top of both the solicitations and the news because we, you know, it, it's part of our it's part of our stock and trade as uh, hosts of the Comic Book Chronicles. Yeah. I wanted to actually get to the Daredevil story because he's left with. Artifacts. Yes. Uh, I'm going to leave some artifacts that he's using as batons. Which, is, which again, bears the question of what's going on in Daredevil. Right, and uh, that's why I mentioned, that's why my suspicion is that they're going to drop this in after the current story arc in Daredevil is finished. Because mm. this is something that shouldn't be ignored. Yes. This is, this is something that is going to lend itself to, if you're having a crisis in confidence... Uh, especially, especially coming off of the events of War Scrolls and the events of War of the Realms, where Daredevil has been granted, to borrow a phrase from Thundercats, sight beyond sight. And uh, wait, hold on, we know you know we've got a sound effect for this, and um, that's part of the crisis and confidence that he's dealing with at the beginning of this issue, uh, in terms of not wanting, you know, in terms of not wanting, wanting to go back to way the way things were. Um, right. You know, he's got this. You know, he's got these tokens that uh, he's been given from Imdol, and that's got to play a role in upcoming Daredevil issues. You would think. So I would hope that that's followed up on once this kind of crisis and confidence storyline that's going on in Daredevil at the moment finishes. Right. Well, see, the only thing I can say to that is that, one, is Daredevil. He always has a crisis and confidence. This is nothing new. Um, and, but at the same time, this is why I was thinking that it was what led him to whatever happens in excuse me, the storylines of Daredevil, which granted, I'm not reading, so I don't know. But this is what I, I thought may have been the thing that led up to him being retired. "Quote unquote." No, no, so, no. But like I said, you, yeah, I don't. I haven't been reading side. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, 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 it doesn't fall in the correct order. So sure. this would actually be on the other side, right? So, 
right. But, uh, that's, that's pretty much what that is. And matter of fact, I'm going to change. I said uh, there was going to be a, another book before that, but I think there's a, another one that slightly kind of ties, but not really. Uh, that we can go into after the, oh geez, what did I just do? And that would be Avengers number 21. Sure, that's also kind of an aftermath issue, but much less so. Mm-hmm. But it's a but it's a fun one. Um, because we start off with, I guess I, I hate calling them this, but Avengers Prime, the the the, the Trinity. Actually, take it's not even a Trinity because it's basically Thor, <laughs> Thor and 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 Tony Stark in a hot tub in in Avengers Mountain, and they're talking. Thor has his hammer. For some strange reason, we have we did not know off the bat. Tony has his helmet on. I'm like, what? What is going on? Is he gonna? Is this gonna be somebody else? What, what's going on? But then we find out later why he. I think we we find out why he has the helmet on. But right. Um, but Thor and they're both butt naked apparently because as as this comes out, which is right. It, it it comes it comes out uh, as the issue uh, moves along. Yeah, and which, which ends up being a, a three line a a, a a side note throughout the whole uh, issue. Right, because they're talking about it, and they're talking, you know, they're throwing it out, and whatever the case may be. And then Captain America comes along, and you know, he's still in in his suit, and then they he gets in, and it was like, and that's when we find out, like, uh, well, they're all butt naked in there, you know. And then the weirdest thing, so the weirdest thing about this, like, Cap joins in, but he puts the shield in the water. And I'm like, not even going to. I'm not even going to think about why because that makes zero sense exactly and because you even um, see shots of it later on in the, in the in the issues like why is this shield i thought that was just a weird artistic choice i really hope jason aaron didn't write that into the script I, he probably did um, uh, that was just weird and and although um, to be honest you know you wonder if it's because they're literally just coming off of war and he just doesn't want to leave his weapon too far from himself okay but there was a place like right outside he could right on the rocks right right? and even because thor put in eventually eventually puts his hammer because basically thor is in the the water with his hammer because he keeps because not mjolnir's back he just can't stop holding it and uh, and obviously there's a joke in there about you know thor Thor holding his hammer while um while <laughs> while Tony's around in the hot tub happens to happen so that was that's the thing but anyway so that happens and then um you get another you get some other stuff like that little part with Blade and um Blade and Hulk which I don't know if you saw what I saw but it looked like did it look like Blade was licking the man thing that he had on his shoulder. Did you, you did you pay attention to that? Scrolling now, scrolling yeah. now, so, but you scroll, know, scroll, scroll, scrolling now, scrolling he's now. Saying, he's not saying scroll because they haven't shown up. In scrolling, the- not licking, not licking. Picture, picture, picture. Yeah, that does look like. Actually, no. I think he was looking back, it. but right. I, I, think I don't. Was, I don't think. I don't think he was actually licking it, but I think that's just the way it was drawn. But that's what I'm saying. It, it looks like that. I don't, I'm not saying right. he was actually doing that because it obviously because it looks from what it seemed like it was trying to portray is that he was looking back at Hulk, you know, right. while while talking to her. But it, but the way the picture, well, the way it looks, it looks like he was licking him. Right. It definitely does. I didn't notice it. Yeah. But anyway, that was a, that was a small thing, and then you know, 
and the other thing is Hulk's inner monologue and her auto monologue, auto monologue is still kind of weird to me because she's she's talks in the third person out loud, but she's talks like Jennifer, you know, in, internally, which I guess conveys the fact that she's got control, you know, more control than she did. Uh, it's a different style of control. That's true. Uh, it's a different style of control, and it, it, it feeds off of the events of I don't know if it was last issue mm-hmm. where they had you know the. Uh, the uh, the internal uh, oh right when they did the little Hulk. session right it was like an internal She Hulk uh, issue right well yeah and I and I get that and but also it kind of you could also guess lay a parallel to um, you know uh, Immortal Hulk I guess not necessarily the same thing because it's, it's you know like we know Banners that has had you know internal and external control of the Hulk. Pre- mm-hmm. Previously, but this is it's kind of akin to what's going on with them in that, except for there's not two different, there's right. technically not two different um, identities right. within them. But right. that being right. that, and then we uh, going on to the issue, you we get this cute little section with um, Carol and, and and Robbie as they go fishing for for <laughs> for Hell Shark. Apparently, sure, they have to uh, clean up the waters around the Avengers Tower. Mm-hmm. And of course, and during throughout all of these whole things, there's like inner monologue happening to, to with uh, a bunch of the characters, which play out more as the, the issue goes on. And I have no doubt is going to come up um, somewhat soon because you know, like I said, Robbie's you know Robbie being the kid on the team, he's having his doubts, and he's talking to Carol, and they have a nice little bonding moment while they're out and fishing, and then the boat turns into a hell boat. Nice looking hell boat. So you can clearly see that somebody's selling that as a figure, but still, yeah. <laughs> and obviously, we know that there's some going to be something coming up next issue dealing with uh, dealing with him as Ghost Rider. So, right. And um, I was about to say, there's a parallel story in the book where Black Panther is is yes. back at work. I was about it's to get funny that. that. Yeah, it's funny that, and and, and it's typical, right? Of Avengers history, where no matter who chair the chairperson is, mm-hmm. Captain America is still, you know, working on planning ahead and yes. planning on uh, dealing with contingencies and things that are happening because he wants to talk shop in the hot tub, and, the, and, and which got vetoed quickly, and to, to right. the more people came along, which was good, but also that him. His inner monologue with that was still trying to work out stuff together, but also um, was him basically saying, "Hey, this stuff is coming up. His stuff is coming up," which is not the only time in the book that that happens. Right, because it's meant as a reminder. Because uh, in the wake of this crossover, it's a reminder that hey, there's a lot of stuff the Avengers still have coming up. And I feel like there's been a little too much of that, though. You mean uh, foreshadowing? Yeah. yeah. Like okay, we get it. We know stuff's coming. Like and I know you have to remind people every now and then, but you've been done in like every other issue. You know, it's a. I I think that's just it's just a reminder that. I mean, uh, yeah. and, and I. What's funny is that I don't think we need it. Well, that what, <laughs> remember that's every exactly. I was looking every every comic somebody's first comic. So yeah. Well, I, I agree, but at, even then, even if you've been reading the Avengers like the last few issues, like yeah, these reminders have been, you know. They've been Not coming so off. Definitely coming I agree. Up. So yeah, but, I agree. They've been coming off. And you were going to mention the other parallel story. Um, let's see. You talked about yeah, T'Challa went to go see Coulson mm-hmm. and to try to get him off of the uh, to try to you know see what's going on with that and his um, his Squadron Supreme, which went about as well as as, as, as it's uh, supposed to. 
<laughs> in that situation. You know. Um, and to, of course, um, you know, like I said, the meeting goes well, and we, and which is also another foreshadowing in the fact that, hey, they're going to be dealing with that soon. Right. Um, but after that, I'm, I'm actually, well, actually, I'm not surprised because, like, the only, so after all of that, uh, you start seeing more and more people come into the hot tub, including one amusing moment with with Hulk. <laughs> well, between with Hulk and everybody and uh, and Captain America, I'm like, oh Lord, with with what they saw, you're muted. No, I was gonna say, uh, I was just about to click it off. What's funny is that uh, there's two reactions <laughs> that were funny. Yes. And, ex- uh, and, one and, and was, one was Carol, right? One was Carol's reaction. Oh, right, because she hid. Um, well, one she hid um, Rob's eyes. Yeah, right. And uh, the other one was obviously Cap because mm-hmm. he's like you know Mister Polite, Mister <laughs> right? But and he was still Thor looking. and Iron Man are just like, hey, now, right? Which, well, I guess at this point, well, they shared a kiss. I don't know if they've actually bumped uglies, but uh, yeah, it was like, and Thor was like, yes! <laughs> or was like, yeah. And, and and of course, Tony being Tony, he was like, hey. So, like I said, and you could still see, even though Cap was kind of hiding his eyes, he was still kind of sneaking up deep, though. <laughs> Which, that whole, that, like I said, the whole panel was pretty funny to me. And Hulk was just like, eh. You know. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, uh, like I said, I was it was say, overall, yeah, this was yeah, we want to talk about what happened at the end. Yes, yes, yes. I was going to say, um, overall, it was a, a fun issue, but um, all of that happening because as as issues like these tend to happen, they lead somewhere into more foreshadowing, especially. And of course, we find one um, because you can't go a whole issue with it just being good without something turning around from it. And there we find um, one Mephisto, which. It's good to see that he was in the last place we we left him, quote unquote, as as far as damnation is concerned. Right, and that is in Sin City, literally. Mm-hmm. So, because you know, we've we I think we've mentioned this before, like we've seen him in various various other places, and seemingly back in Hell, which you know, I'm like okay, we don't know when this timeline is and this and another, but you know, he's no longer the ruler of Hell. Johnny Blazes, which we'll find out some more about next. Uh, well, which we'll get into a little bit more next uh this issue but we see mephisto here with a what seems to be a chess piece a chess board with a bunch of pieces with more foreshadowing of stuff that we've we've um that we've seen coming up some been mentioned it, some some that hasn't well actually all of this has been mentioned at one point or another uh i think the one thing i think we i forgot that um there was one bit of foreshadowing that i don't think um, actually, no, it probably was it. I just don't remember how. But when Carol was talking to Robbie, uh, she mentioned the Cree, and which means that hey, that's clearly going to come up. And and when we left everybody in the hot tub before we get into uh, before we got to Mephisto, everybody was having thought bubbles about their doubts and whatnot. Which is why I said that a lot of the stuff is as foreshadowing as all that stuff is going is 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 also their doubts that are. You know that are probably going to be played on probably by Mephisto in the coming months or whatever. So yeah, so basically, look, it was a fun issue all the way around with a lot of foreshadowing of stuff that we kind of already seen being foreshadowed before. Um, right, it's kind of getting the book back on track. Yes, 
from coming out of uh, World of Realm. So it's which you know, some especially coming out of an event, yeah, you kinda you kinda have to do that, especially for And especially with yeah, I was gonna say especially with this many characters you have to kind of reassert uh, controlled over the story. So. Yeah. So the the probably the best part about this is like, um, especially when uh, when everybody was in the hospital, it was like um, Robert was like, "Is it always like this?" And it was like, "What the 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 Earth's Mightiest Found Family?" I'm like, yeah, when it works, you know, which is cool because that's kind of how the Avengers do work. They're kind of like a family, and they you know when everything works well between them, it's you know, which I guess that could also mean something else that is coming, but you know, um. But they're like a big family, and it's and it's cool, right? Well, I think what's implied is that, especially with what we know, is that there's going to be some issues with Ghost Rider. So, right. well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying yeah, we know stuff's coming up between that, and not only just that, but with whatever stuff is with the rest of them. Because even, um, you know, Thor's Thor's um, doubts about his worthiness. You know, the Tony's talking about you know internal monologue about him being a clone. You know all that stuff that they talked about in in, in their inner monologues is, is going to definitely come out in addition to what we know is initially coming with uh, Robbie. So, but yeah, that that was pretty much Avengers. That was a potential click of the week for me. So we'll see how that pans out. Um, all right. Next up, what's next? Get back to what we initially said we we're going to talk about is. Um, which I guess I could have gone another way with this, but that's fine. Invisible Woman number one, which is uh, first of a five issue, I believe, mini series directly um, dealing with uh, Sue Storm of the Fantastic Four. If the name didn't mean anything to you, <laughs> so here's the weird thing about this one. So it's actually not weird because. So it starts off with a little flashback because so you know we see uh, Sue on a mission. Um, what we found out to be for Shield, which is not the first time we have seen her working with Shield, especially um, during the events of like Secret Wars, uh, but in other uh, I'm fairly certain in other times also. But we see her on a mission. Um, it almost plays out like kind of like a uh, an action movie or like a suspense movie or like a spy movie would. And it's like you show something in the past and it sets up this and sets up that. Then cut to the to cut to the present where we see Storm. I mean, where we see Sue, and then she just happens to get um, informed on a, a mission that the person that she was with the mission with in the flashback happened to be a part of, and they got captured. And so now they need her. They needed information from her, but now she takes it upon herself to kind of go and try to find out what's going on with the person who, strangely enough, weirdly looked like Namor for a second, and and then it just it was kind of informed me. It was like, okay, yeah, we know we know Sue has a type <laughs> outside of Reed, and it, it, you know, but and of course there is being the their spy stuff. There are two obvious folks that end up um, uh, showing up. One being Nick Fury Jr. Three obvious, really. Well, yeah, yeah. But, because they're senior engineer, right? Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I just kind of kind of Nick is Nick is yeah. yeah. But you're right because yeah, because there was Nick in the past or the OG Nick, and then there was there was a current Nick. The uh, that that shows up, and of course, again, which plays out just like a a, a um like a, a like a movie would of this type. It was like, hey. You, like yeah, I find out about this thing, but I wasn't going to try to stop you, but I know I can't. Oh well, I can't stop you, but I won't. And then so because obviously there's probably going to be something he wants out of this himself, but 
regardless of the mission. So here's the weird part about this issue for me, and maybe this is just a little niggling thing. She she starts off on the mission. She's still in Fantastic Four clothes, and it's supposed to be off the quote unquote off the books. It was explicitly said, but you know, it was like basically her presence or some presence there, you know, was thought an instant international incident. Why didn't she get in this? Get in some regular clothes? She just basically went into Madripoor or doctor, you know, on the side of Madripoor somewhere in Fantastic Four clothes. Like no one would know who she was, you know. And then basically got into a, a, a well, not got into a fight, and then ends up meeting up with, uh, of course, the other spy in the room, the the major spy in the room, Black Widow, which ends up the book. Which we knew, I guess, well, which I knew uh, because they, there was an article about this, I think, this in the news, but I guess it shouldn't have been too much of a surprise, you know? And I know there were probably some people who would be like, why is, why is uh, Sue Storm, you know, doing spy stuff? And I'm like, well, there's, like, like we said earlier, it's not, it's the, not the first time. Exactly. It's not the first time. She's actually appeared in issues of recent versions of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's or correct. S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Um, you know yeah. where they've where they've used the obvious you know uh, the obvious reasons for having her become uh, you know they use the obvious points of her power as, mm-hmm. as uh, being useful in spycraft. Right. Um, I thought this was a fun start to the series. Uh, it's a mini series after all, and it actually seems to have a reason for being yes. because there's a portion in the book that goes over the current status quo of the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. And with the children of the Fantastic Four having aged somewhat in space during uh, uh, during the FF's hiatus after Secret War, um, or Secret Wars, right. that uh, Sue is kind of rediscovering her, her, her roots to a certain extent. Reed is still the workaholic scientist that he always has been, but in uh, this day and age where you don't need Sue to make meat cakes for everybody, uh, she is uh, doing her thing, and what it is, uh, at least in this limited series, is that she's off to rescue an old uh, colleague. Yes, uh, That's the premise of the story, and it's kind of cool that this is as I mentioned earlier, this is a story that seems to have a place in the FF story. Yeah, I feel like this is good also because obviously she, she's never had a, a um, encore series herself and some would argue there probably wouldn't be enough for an encore series for herself. I, I would say I would argue otherwise, but at the same time, hey, we'll see where it comes from for this. You know, I mean... I was going to say everybody else has had a, a solo book, but that's not true. In, in right. I don't believe Reed has had has not, no. But most of the stuff in the Fantastic Four... Has the Torch? Uh, no. I think Ben is the only character that has been given any sort right. of... Right. I, I know Torch has done... Had, Torch has pretty much been a, a guest star in the other people's uh, stuff a whole lot, but he has not right. had a book of himself, of his own. So that's why, that's why I had to retract what I was going to say on that point. Right. Um, yeah, it's really only Ben, and for good reason. Cause yeah, I mean, and one. some would argue that Fantasy Four kind of, especially at one point, uh, focused on Reed a good bit. 
Right. And what I also what I was going to add is that the reason why they gave Ben a solo title is that they literally broke him off of the Fantastic Four in the wake of the first Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. Right. And he was yeah he had he was on Battle World. Right. Well, and that's where that that's where that book came from. Right, not only that, because he also was... He was in 2-in-1 also. Yes, 2-in-1. He, well, basically around that time, he gained a lot of popularity in the comics and, you know, and because you remember he had a comic, he had a cartoon also, so and he was, they had this thing hand, so he was kind of popular, or popping around that time, mm-hmm. where he was getting more exposure. Um, sure. Not unlike, you know, Spidey or, or, um, or, or Wolvie. Sure, sure, sure. So... so it's nice to see, you know. It's nice to see Sue get some shine, and uh, yeah. we'll see where this issue, where this story goes. Thankfully, it's, it doesn't have to worry about having to uh, maintain, a, you know, a long form story. Hopefully, it'll be able to tell a good story in five or six issues. Right, and maybe even, you know, um, stoke another one somewhere down the line. You know, if sure. somebody has a story for it. Um, the art. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention was. What was that Adam Hughes or did he just do Adam Hughes did the cover okay whoever did the interiors was was on point because the art was really nice but that the Hughes cover was also pretty good too right it's like a light uh, painted style mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it's watercolor it could be digital because obviously digital can you know you can do a lot with digital nowadays um, who is the artist Mattia de Eloise Elise, I don't know. I can't. They, they Elise. Mattia de Eulis. Yeah, we'll go with that. Don't, I don't. Like yeah. folks' names. It doesn't ring. It doesn't ring any bells for me. I don't. I'm not familiar with the artist at all. So here is where our it's kind of Phil, it's kind of Phil Noto-ish, but it's it, it's a little yeah, bit yeah, not quite. Defined. We will get to Noto in, in a little bit. Um, I will take this time to bring up something that I had saved for the news, in that on Comicsology right now there is a free um, book called the Young Guns Sketchbook. I believe it's called. Um, and and it's basically like samples of new artists that Marvel is employees, and this person might be one of them. I'm not sure, but you can go check that out on on um, on Comicsology. And like I said, I think we'll yeah the Young Gun Sketchbook, but like there's a link to it in the show notes, and uh, you can go check that out for yourself when we get to it. Anyway, move right along, and we're kind of pushing so. Maybe one or two more. Oh, you kind of alluded to it, so we'll get to that one. Amazing Spider-Man number twenty-five. All right. Since you mentioned wheat cakes, which did actually come up in that issue. So, Amazing Spider-Man twenty. I'll let you take the book of this one, but it's basically a double issue, double size issue, anniversary issue, if I'm not mistaken. Right. It's a it's an issue number twenty-five. So, this is. Immediately in the wake of uh, the most recent um, hunted storyline involving Craven the Hunter, and uh, we we deal with the aftermath of uh, the Lizard, aka Dr. Kirk Connors' decisions at the end of that story that led to the uh, rescue of his family from the clutches of uh, Craven's son, and uh, we have. What doesn't exactly seem like uh, nothing is as as it seems when it comes to Spidey's story. Uh, 
and a parallel story because Spidey's trying to get someplace. He's trying to get with uh, Mary Jane to attend a show, and you know this is so typical Spider-Man when it comes to um, uh, his, his his social life. He's on his way somewhere, and something has to get in the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's funny is that he actually does send a text that says it's a work thing. Sorry, mm-hmm. and Which, but Mary Jane being used to all this, and the story kind of pivots to her telling her side of the story. Right, but, it's what happens. Yeah, it's, it's what happens to her in the wake of Peter basically standing her up. Which guess what? Spoiler alert: MJ is is as much of a hero as Spidey is at this point because, like, she's you know she's she's always been a, a smart person. You know, she has always been. Um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. She, she's been, she's been hanging around. I'm not saying it's not even because of Peter, because obviously before this, I think she's always been kind of a person that's been, you know, like a doer. For for but at the she's same not way. exactly the, the the classic damsel in the stress. Exactly. Thank been, you. Right. She hasn't been for a long time. Right. And, and I know some would argue she's never been, but yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty sure in the earliest versions of Mary Jane, she probably was. Well, um, yeah, that's what, but yeah, but that's kind of swiftly kind of right. Went to and start. what I was going to add is that this uh, sort of new status quo that they're uh, <laughs> teasing—they haven't exactly come out and said what it is yet, right? But they're definitely teasing it because the story that MJ is dealing with is. A, a direct tieback to events of '90 Spider-Man. We're talking, yes, we're talking uh, McFarlane era. You know, David McAlini. And, Some would argue that would all, almost also um, also in the inclusion of the '90s uh, animated series. That as well. Yeah, that as well. But I, I distinctly remember, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, very early McFarlane. Even before he came on the show, this was, I think, in the works as part of a story mm-hmm. where um, Mary Jane Watson is a big deal. She's on television, mm-hmm. and that is a direct tie. That's directly tied into in this issue, and is teased to be a news that uh, uh, there, there's a, a change to her uh, situation. Teased. Well, but I, said, I don't know how new it is. Basically, kind of getting back to more than because it's not like it's not a situation that hasn't happened to her before. It's just that she's. It's a new status quo because she's. Well, no, what I was going to add is that there's a funny bit where this uh, past rival of hers right. that she's dealing with is going is is kind of asking her what she's been up to, and it's funny when Mary Jean is like, "Well, I did this and I did this." Mm-hmm. And Big, big things that have happened in right, Martin and the rivals were like, "Oh yeah, right, yeah, exactly." Stuff that has put her, you know, in the forefront of people's in, in, for for different reason because yeah, I ran a global mega corporation, right? For Tony Stark, you know, that's the stuff that's not you know uh, explicitly mentioned, but Which that's is- what's. Know, right, which that was right because yeah, right because they mentioned the Avengers stuff, and then I was like, wait, I expected her to mention the the, the Stark stuff, which is more recent. And I'm like, no, she went in, she went in chronological. Right, yeah, she started with the Avengers stuff, and then the Global Mega Corporation. Right. So, and, and this and, and this former rival is like, yeah, you need to get, you know, I understand you getting out of acting because of the right, pressure. Gotta, yeah, like, you, oh my god! Oh lady. right, you just basically stood out of the, you got out of the limelight. I'm like, no, no, she didn't. You're just not exactly. <laughs> like, so, 
there's a funny there's a funny show that that that, that she's attending. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to say that might have been a real show. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I've seen there. So basically, she goes to this. I guess it was a musical from what it seemed like, or a, a stage play, which right. there have been Marvel stage plays before, most notably the Spider-Man one, ironically, that was plagued with issues and, you know, whatnot. But I believe, the and the one she went to was based off of the Fantastic Four, and I believe, I feel like there was probably one for that, some sort of stage play for that. You got I mean, me. Like probably like an early seventies or not early like a late seventies early eighties type thing. I don't know. I might be I might be just misremembering or something. But I feel like that was something that might have happened. Yeah, me. So that could have been a in one and another a, a number of callbacks and whatnot that this issue brings up. Um, but yeah, so that while Peter's off, off dealing with the lizard, which I feel like I like the MJ stuff way more than the uh, the lizard thing because the lizard one was like, okay, well, that could go one or two ways and it went the way you expected it to. But at the same time, oh, we also missed a part. So the, the mysterious person also shows up. Uh, I guess we're going to call him Kendrick until we find out either his real name or that sticks. I don't right. know. But who after the events of last issue seemingly dealt with Mysterio or who we thought was Mysterio but apparently which I feel like I called this one but I didn't mention it that uh, there was a swerve because the person that was dealt with as Mysterio was not the actual one and in fact it was Mysterio kind of pulling the strings to a certain point of that which also put me in mind, especially with some of the stuff that happened. Well, with a, a thing that happened in um, Speedy's part about it, kind of likened to the current Spider-Man movie. Sure. Because I was like, wait, there are drones in here, and then there's Mysterio, even though they were not they were not related. No, like there's Mysterio doing this thing over here, and then there was drones over here with the with the lizard stuff. I'm like, wait, did it just like? mix some stuff up and put together but but what, what we can find out is that uh, Mysterio's working for this this other mysterious kindred person and he was in trouble for him before something he did um, so I guess Mysterio actually did die at one point cause I, and I feel like I, I don't remember that right or maybe it's, it was in the 90s right it was in the 90s uh, I think it was coming out of his appearance in that first Daredevil book with Kevin Smith hmm. um I think that's where it happened. And I know there had uh, I'd have been to other... go back and check and, and check that out. But right. ultimately, with regards to this book, this much like uh, more of the realms and much like uh, the, the Avengers issue issue that came out this week, this served as a wrap to that hunted storyline and really set things in motion going forward. We have what happened to Doc Connors because that is actually important to Peter Parker's future as well in terms of his ongoing studies. And that's actually uh, uh, one of the setups for the future that is in this book. Another setup, as you mentioned, is um, uh, what's going on with this kindred character. Uh, That's where the book actually leaves off. And as we mentioned earlier, we also have... um, uh, Mary Jane's uh, possible future uh, change in her status quo, which is directly related to Mysterio, which it yes. was a nice reveal at the you know it's very much towards the end of the book, and and you just couldn't help but think, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I, I knew 
and okay. Then, well, that was about to say, there was one other thing that that was also for general something that's coming up in that Mary Jane's part. She was with, um, which this this part is the, the person she was with also has ties to has, has had past ties to Peter. But the real deal is who they were dealing with, which was the new version of Electro, a newer version of Electro, who at the end of this ends up um, getting recruited by. I'm just going to go ahead and say another rebranding of the Sinister Six because we already saw Vulture and his Savage Six. That was one because that's kind of some classic characters, you know. Well, some characters revolving around Vulture, but then we have a more classic-looking, with the exception of newer versions of the Sinister Six, but they rebranded themselves off as the Syndic- as, as a Syndicate, which I'm right. pretty sure both of those are going to butt heads at some point. I feel like. And this is all a result of the Hunted storyline, which had all these characters being trapped under a bubble in Central Park. They're all animal-based supervillains, so this particular group is all female. Right. And it's an interesting mix. Uh, kind of blends in a little bit of Spider Verse with a little bit of Superior Foes. I was yeah, I was thinking that, especially with the with the Doc Ock. Right. Like yeah, I was like, oh wait, is that? Oh look, it's Liv. <laughs> I just watched exactly. Spider Verse again, so. Um, exactly. But we don't know. Actually, we, uh, wait, do we actually know who that person is or no? Not a hundred percent sure. But I'm sure they'll get into it. Yeah, because I was like, I don't recall there being. Actually, I do, but I don't. I don't know if that was something coming out of an article or whatever the case may be. Because obviously, we know Oct- well, Octavius is in San Francisco and right. not a woman, and not and not Oct- Doc Ock. Um, right. And in terms of it's, and in terms of the. Uh, uh, the last kind of the last portion of the main story um, to kind of set things in motion for future stories in the amazing book. Um, we're dealing with a little bit of time travel. Yes. And uh, you know this character hasn't been seen for a little while since his uh, ongoing series was canceled. So it's kind of nice to see this character come back. Yeah, that was actually a couple of different um, outside of the main stuff of the of the book because there was a couple of little shorts uh, after the main thing. Um, oh yes, I, that was going back to the the uh, the end of that the main story. So when Kindred gets to the last page, and you basically was like, "Well, your friend, we're gonna just like, well, this is basically so long for right now," um, but. Your friends are going to get involved, basically. So, with, and he had, uh, I guess, what looked like pictures of various other spider, spider-powered um, folks that we know, um, up and including Jessica Drew, Silk, you know, Miles, obviously. And um, there was one picture that was an eyeball. That was basically a picture of an eye or a green eye, and I'm not sure who that was. I think it's MJ. You think so? I thought I was thinking. I was thinking. Um, well, this that seemed weird though because everybody else had like spider powers, right? But I think MJ is the one that we know that has green eyes. Well, and here I was thinking. I was thinking Black Cat, but I don't think she has green eyes. Who also has a book we would, uh, I want to talk about real quick, but le- right. later. Um, so yeah, so there was that. So uh, apparently the other spider folk are going to get. Uh, oh, and obviously Gwen is, was also pictured. Right. Um, that's also going to come up at some point, which I'm kind of curious as to how. Like, is he going to just go into their books, or is all this going to play out here in, in, in Amazing? 
we'll we'll find out. Yeah, because we know all of those people. This are particular in character, right? This particular character's capabilities are still a mystery. So. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's Amazing Spider-Man twenty-five. It, it was a, another click of the week, but there were oh, there was like I said, there was um, it was a couple other little short stories. One involving Doctor Strange, um, which uh, that's a theme going around this week. Um, <laughs> so and um, yeah, a couple other things, but that's about it. You know, just oh, there was that one. What did you think about that last one? The um, the one that was supposedly done by um, by bot. Because there was a there was a the show story that was that was they said they ran a bunch of uh, Spider Man stories through a bot and this is what got spit out and they and they and they you know and they wrote and drew it out which yeah it seems like just like a a weird thing but at the same time I don't know I I feel like like that just looked too crazy to to be done by a bot and I'm not saying yeah. bots don't do we can't do big trades because that's been the thing for the last few years. But at the same time, it's like I don't know. You're sure this is not somebody writing like they like it was from, uh, like it was uh, a bot doing this? Because like, they have had they have machine learning things that will do stuff like this. So I don't know. Uh, and and very quickly uh, in the preview for the following issue, the superior foes of Spider-Man are oh, yes. on the next cover. <laughs> yes. Which hey, welcome back, Willis. Um Which we know one well, of them is Boomerang. Okay. Exactly, Boomerang yeah. is a uh, is a recurring character, and in uh, fact, got mentioned in the course of this in, in the course of the main story. Because remember when Peter's like, "Yeah, everybody that's been in my life and lately has been been having major changes." Like even Boomerang, mm-hmm. you know. So, which is going into I, you know what? And I thought when he when uh, when he got to that part, going back to that, I thought he was going to pr- propose to MJ. Because he was like, because it was like, because because MJ was going to tell his, her what she, what happened to her because he didn't know, and then mm-hmm. and then she told him to go first. I was like, okay, this is going to be a marriage proposal, but nope. Then we clicked to him going back into the classroom to as a student. Yep. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that is Amazing Spider-Man Twenty Five. It's, it's definitely another uh, potential click of the week uh, this week. Alrighty. Um, do you want to hear it? Uh, Let's see. Well, since we're on a spider kick, let's do Miles real quick. All right. It's there's not much to it. Not um, really. So we can because yeah. it's very much uh, a direct follow up to the ending of the previous issue, which had um, a bunch of things happening in Miles's life. But we find out that he has been abduct- abducted mm-hmm. uh, by a character named Quantum. And we all know that quantum carries a very, uh, there's a lot of context, uh, especially if you're a fan of the MCU in there, but we still don't know exactly where this character comes from. Right. Um, we find Miles being tested literally and figuratively by those who have abducted him in the previous issue. So that's where, that's the bulk of what's been going on in this issue. Yeah, that part, you wonder what the testing, the purpose of the testing is. And yeah, that's, that's, the that's the thing coming out of that. And there's apparently still some more. And we know, you know, out of uh, articles that I uh, know in a couple of issues that somehow the the ultimate universe is going to come back into play some kind of way, um, but we don't know necessarily know the extent of that. But I guess that's right. It's soon. Yes. 
because uh, unfortunately, as we mentioned earlier, we do pay attention to solicitations. We do pay attention to news articles. Right. Like I said, it's our stock and trade. Yeah, and which it, it kind of hurts. Well, it kind of helps, and but it hurts also because it's like right. normal people read it from month to month. It's like, oh, what's coming next? It's like, well, we kind of have an idea if you're actually exactly, exactly. Because if my if my understanding is correct, it's two issues away. Right. So there's not, you know, there, there's going, to, there may be some connection between the events of this issue and that. Uh, Most of the aforementioned approaching event in Miles's book. So we will see what happens. Yeah. So the only other thing about this issue is like, yeah, the, the whole testing thing kind of kind of skewed me out just a little bit because it was like, and I don't know why. Sure. Actually, well, two things. Two things. At first, I was like. Right, this is playing out like a video game, and I'm like, I kind of would want to wouldn't mind seeing a um, a a mouse centered video game where he's just like running through test like portal style. But at the same time, like, no, that's not that's not right. And like I said, knowing that people of color in the past have been prodded and tested, yeah, it's meant to be creepy. Like, yeah, that it was like, ah, it's kind of. It is meant to be creepy. So it did what it was supposed to do on that point. Um, So you want to go ahead and throw out another book? Yeah, just real quick. I wanted to throw out something fun. Um, I had a little bit of fun (laughs) reading this. It's Black Cat number two. Oh, good. I'm glad you went. Yes. And I don't have too much to say about this. I was I hemmed and hawed about picking up a physical copy of this. Right? Mm. I really like G. Scott Campbell's covers. Let, I, I'm, I'm not even. I am not even going to play. I'm going <laughs> to freely admit that I like J. Scott Campbell's covers for Black Cat so far. For those, for I those, may pick up this issue just for that. So, for those who don't know, J. Scott Campbell is an artist. He tends his um, a lot of his covers tend to have a lot of cheesecake in them. N- not suggestively, suggestively. Yeah. Let's put the, like very, there's been some stuff right, worse than others. Does, yeah, he definitely does. It's less cheesecake, but more uh, suggestive. Yes. And uh, I was going to add that the story was pretty entertaining, especially if you're a fan of recent heist movies, hmm. like the Ocean's movies and even Ant Man, because Felicia is basically running a, a, a team. And every once in a while, much like the terminology that they put out in the rebooted Oceans movies, you needed a grease man, you needed two, um, you know, two, two, two so and sos, and such and such as. In this issue, uh, Felicia's uh, team needs a Merlin. Yes. And what's a Merlin? Well, we find out what a Merlin is from the point of view of a, a, a team of thieves. So. Especially in the Marvel universe, so which yeah, which also like you would think. Well, and she kind of addresses it. it. Was like, yeah, you kind of got to watch, you know, because they're a wild card. So, so they're basically dealing with something that's magic. And who is the person that you would go to for magic items, or the main person who you would go for to for magic items in the Marvel universe? They go to Burgle Doctor Strange's houses, house, right. the Sanctum Sanctorum, with and spo- with a, a with a alert, of his. Say, spoiler alert! They're not yes. stealing anything magical. Well, yes, but somebody does, right? Or somebody so alludes that's to somebody's going to. It's a byproduct. It's a byproduct of the heist, and that's what I found so entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like of all things that they would steal from the Sanctum Sanctorum. Or at least try to. This is what they're after, and I yeah, and, and I kind of got a kick out of that. Right. Which in my notes I said. So wait, it turns into a national treasure all of a sudden because <laughs> of what, because it's a form of, of it. Yeah, yeah, because of what they took. 
you know, I was like, well, that seems almost national treasure. Yeah, definitely. definitely. But of course, echo. Right. So from that, actually, um, but yeah, I enjoyed the, that uh, issue also. Some of, some of the writing within it was like, okay, this is weirdly perfectly dated, especially <clears throat> with like the, how the snakes were talking. Oh, sure. But I think that was all, yeah. That it was, was purposeful, yeah. yeah, but it was just funny. Yeah. Like I said, the, 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 the draw for me was the setup of the heist. And like I like I said, if you're a fan of the premise of a lot of those movies, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I have a feeling that this issue is going to be a hard copy that I go to pick up in the aftermath of having read our preview copies. I was about to say, wait for for the innards or just for the cover that you already mentioned. For both. Okay. For both. Okay. For both. Just because I enjoyed I enjoyed the issue and the. The cover makes it, you know, the cover is a bonus. Sure. Um, real quick, um, coming off of that, because there was something on that point that I wanted to address. Ironheart number eight, which real quick. Um, and the art inside isn't bad either. Yes, so the art inside not, is definitely. Not, uh, you know, yeah. let's not uh, downplay that. I'm oh, sorry. yeah, no, that, that is absolutely right. That's absolutely right. The, uh, we're talking about the black uh, black cat. Uh, right, it's travel foreman. He is no slouch. Absolutely, yeah, I loved his works on uh, his work on um, Ultimates. Um, Ultimate. And there was a Carnage in uh, credit, stupid thing, whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, Ironheart number eight. So, so um, which has nothing to do with Black Cat. However, Riri ends up going uh, after the events of last issue, where she was battling zombies with uh, the Wasp and her friend Xavier. Um, she is back on the hunt for the Ten Rings, led by Menta, uh, Midnight Fire, because the person she fought last uh, issue was a member of the Ten Rings, but they were also magic users. And of course, like I just said, if you want something magical, you know, dealing with something magical, the first person you think of in the Marvel Universe is Doctor Strange. So she pays a visit to um, to, the, to the Sanctum, and here's where the desire back to Black. The black cat comes in. Uh, Stephen Strange makes a makes a note that says like, well, you know the the um as as she comes in, he was he, she was uh, he uh, he was fighting some creature which she kind of helps out on. But after that, they get to talking and it's kind of cute because you know Stephen's kind of talking to her like almost in like a mentorist, even though he's more magic and she's more more science. Like she kind of talks to him, he kind of talks to her, you know, in kind of a mentorist kind of kind of way through part of it. He even probes her with the eye of Agamotto, which was kind of rude without her consent. But that's a story said. But he also mentions that the formidable, um, the the formidable defenses of the Sanctum, which, as we just said in the Black the Black Cat, she just got uh, broken into by a crew. In fact, I want to say I feel like, and I don't know if this is the case or not. He mentions um, a part of the Sanctum. That also gets mentioned in Black Cat. That could have been a coincidence, maybe not, because he because he was like, Do you don't know what I had to deal with in this part of the, the sanctum, which and then that part of the sanction, like I said, sanctum, was just mentioned in the, the the Black Cat issue that we just talked about. So I don't know if that has to do with what's going on in Black Cat, right, or what's going to happen in Black Cat next month, or that was just the coincidence. I at this point I choose to believe that it's uh, similar. Because their Marvel's continuity has been kind of strangely on point, <laughs> even even within the month. So I, you know, 
it's I kind of funny that, yeah, it's kind of funny that uh, I didn't read this issue. Does Riri actually walk into the sanctum yeah, on her she, own? Oh yeah, yeah. She okay. she but she goes and knock on the door. Stephen opens it as he's fighting his thing, and then oh, he lets her in though. Yeah, he lets her in. Okay. Yeah, and then, and then after they finish t- t- dealing with the thing, they start talking, and he helps her out with um, with uh, the thing she's working on, uh, right. which has to do I with... Add, I was just going to add that the one that there's one Marvel character that seems to find himself inside the Sanctum Sanctorum often, that's Spider-Man. Which, uh, over that's, the last couple of months, it's like, hey, I'm here. I'm right, like, which actually... And that was the part we forgot to mention from uh, Amazing Spider-Man because there was that backstory with him and J. J. Jonah Jameson, which led into him going, breaking into the Sanctum in the same way. Exactly. The same way that Jonah walked into his apartment. And then, and then, you know, uh, and then, you know, like a, pretty much the same setup that, that started that whole uh, that that story with the same thing that happened to uh, the, the Doctor Strange and Peter, or uh, Doctor right. Strange and, and well, he doesn't use a crowbar to get in. Well, there is that. <laughs> yes, that is true. But nevertheless, <laughs> the, but the, my point is, he's just like uh, <laughs> it's just like, hey, I'm here. Um, I did love that part with Jonah though. That was that was kind of funny. It was like, yeah, da, da, this and that. The other was like, and then it ended up being something else. And then that's when he goes to to to, to Stephen, you know. So, but uh, but yeah, you know that, that that's cool that uh, uh, that, uh, that that they had um, Doctor Strange's home plays a role in a bunch of these books. And well. a couple of books is yeah, and that was kind of wild. Uh, and and there was even one part of when um, when Stephen and Reba were talking, and he was basically just like, "Hey, don't I, like I know it's Tony Stark, and I know he's a mentor of yours. Don't let his his hubris, you know, you know, get the better of you because I know I see some of that in you." Because being that you know she's a super smart and think that you know got all the answers, yeah, yeah, basically, and and which is kind of funny because I was like, well, pot calling kettle black, but at least he acknowledges like, yeah, I have I have some of those same issues, so he mm-hmm. did at least bring that part up. I'm like, okay, that's that saves that part because like, well, right. you're not talking. So, but yeah, that but this was a, a pretty good issue, and they're on the track of um and you know Doctor Strange gets gets hip to her backstory. Um, a little bit, and why she's really trying to find out what this thing that she's looking for in, in relation to Blackfire, I mean Midnight Fire, and the, the Ten Rings, um, which is a, a place of a thing with a lot of power that's magical, um, and which also leads us because the place that we end up finding out that this this wellspring is, take one guess as to where that would be. One quick guess, right off the top of your head. The Wellspring? Yes. For the Ten Rings? Yes. China? Nope. Wakanda. Which leads her into... Which, leads which her makes into, no sense, but okay. And it, 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 given what the story kind of does. Right, but, but you, you mentioned the Ten Rings, and I'm like, okay, that's right. You would think so. Well, yeah, but yeah. The, but the, well, there was a mention during the course of this, like, well, there's been other, it's not just one Wellspring, it's been others, and the rest of them have been closed, but there was this hidden one. It's a Lazarus pit, okay, I gotcha. Kind of, sort of. But So there's okay. a hidden one that just happens to get found out in this one, and it's in Wakanda, which leads um, Reread to end up going to Wakanda next issue. And of course, she's going to end up uh, teaming up and meeting Shuri, which uh, I feel like this last few issues is pretty much Brandon Hall, Herb going on a world tour tour of the of the Marvel Universe and teaming up with the, with folks. Because like I said, it was, first it was Miles, then it was uh, the Nadia the Wasp, 
and this issue is uh, Doctor Strange, and next issue is Shuri. All right. And the Wakanda. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. So, <clears throat> anyway, I don't know if you got another one or we can go to rapid fire. Well, no, rapid fire. I can go through a lot of these. Hit it. Um, Here we go. Firing it up. Get to the chopper. All right. Um, I'll run through my books. Uh, first off is one of the disappointments of the week, and that's Wolverine and Captain America Weapon Plus number one. Oh, bother. This really could have been a better story in more capable hands. Thanks, Pooh. Both the writing and the art betray a story that at least had solid foundations and stories that have come before, uh, such as Grant Grant Morrison's X-Men run um, about the Weapon Plus program. Fans of the program's history will be disappointed. Uh, Next up is Batman number 74. Uh, Yeah, uh, I I sort of understand what Tom King is doing here, but I care less and less. Flashpoint Batman is essentially trying to resurrect Martha Wayne to give Bruce a family again and stop Bruce from being Batman. Bruce stops the plan and things are left on a cliffhanger. I think we both read Champions number seven. And my notes on this is just that Caldera is a big pain in the butt and Miss Marvel steps away for a bit. And I think you'll have more to add on that. Yeah, and the only thing I'll add to that is like, so yeah, so this is basically getting back to the Sam and Caldera, and you're right about that. She is kind of a pain in the neck, but um, um, or ass rather, but um, yeah, this is the goes back to the storyline of Sam going off into space to get his helmet or to get a helmet, a Nova helmet again, and we come to find out that um, the helmet's been taken by another group of people who's been um around lately, being the the Thieves Guild, right. They, and their uh, their branches have expanded. The number of their branches clearly. have expanded. Yes, uh, even out into space. Which and which I I like the the fact that they did here was they called to the fact that hey no this happened in Amazing, uh, Amazing Spider Man and they even put uh, like a in the last page was like hey well instead of you having to read it we'll just kind of touch on you know cut, touch on the part where that comes into play. So right. again, like I said, Marvel continuity is kind of kind of getting us in, but yeah. Um, outside of that, yeah, um, that's pretty much it. They break into the Rock, which is a, which is basically Nova headquarters. Now I was thinking of the Rock with the movie, and there was no Sean Connery, but we did get um, Baymax from Big Hero Six, apparently. Okay. And I say that because so the guy so and I've seen this character before because this pet character. Started in a Deadpool book, which was written by Jerry Duggan. Jerry Duggan, I think, mm-hmm. is also a comedian. And this, the person that it was patterned off of, who has the same name, is a comedian. And there's an actual pre- comedian person named Scott uh, Adsit. Yeah, he's, he's also, a comedian and an actor. Yes, he'd be he who also plays Baymax in Big Hero Six. Um, and he was also, um, oh shit, was he on Office or some show? I can't remember. But you've seen this guy and or heard part of her have heard this guy before. But the character, yeah, Thirty Rock, that's what it was. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, so he's been made a character uh, in the Marvel Universe, and that happened in uh, a volume of Deadpool back in the day, which gets mentioned in this book. You know, because right, he's been part of the Nova Corps for a while now. Exactly, because he was a Shield agent, and then he's 
ended up taking over running the the Nova Corps, and I well, and something ends up happening to him at the end of the, uh, near the end of this issue. Right. Maybe, Unfortunately, possibly. the Nova Corps has been made a joke, and it's yeah. kind of unfortunate. So you know, and and it plays into the events of this issue. So that's it, it's kind of depressing. Yeah. Um, um, but the, yeah, but last of it is like we find out that the helmet's been stolen by the Thieves Guild and is now back on Earth, which will lead Sam and Caldova back on Earth. And apparently, uh, the the helmet doesn't work because it was Sam's dad's helmet, who may or may not be alive. So, and the, the last page was is any kind of spoiler. It sounds like what this is ultimately leading up to is Sam's going to get his powers back. Uh, last for me is Event Leviathan number two. So this issue actually has an interesting way of <laughs> recapping the current status of the investigation into who Leviathan is and, and what they've done to basically decapitate all the heads of the uh, spy agencies around the DC Earth. Um, spoiler alert, Jason Todd is currently the prime suspect, but that is likely a red herring, but that is the cliffhanger in this book that leads into issue number three. That's it for me. Cool. Uh, then I'll get to mine. I was going to ask you, did you read the Wolverine Blade thing? Because, of course, it's, it's it's Wolverine and Captain America and, and versus Blade, but that's a whole other thing. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, no, I yeah, did not but, get a chance to read it. Yeah, I didn't either because I didn't think I was going to read either one. But it was like it was interesting both of them out. But anyway, uh, my books: Star Wars number sixty-eight. Um, so we are entering the the beginnings of the Pac Noto era. Um, and uh, th- as I said the last time Star Wars came up, this is taking up around the time of Empire Strikes Back, which includes this issue starting off with Star Wars with the, imp- the with the, the Empire Strikes Back crawl in a sense, but they got it laid out on the page sort of, it's sort of which is kind of cool that, and it kind of lets you know where this is taking place um, The they do the thing that you're never supposed to do in any good D&D campaign and they split the party so mm. Luke's got, Luke and R2's got a mission Han and Leia's got, got a mission and uh, Chewie and 3PO have another mission and of course, being in true Star Wars fashion they all hit particular stags um, or at least we see two of them. Like Luke's didn't necessarily hit that much of a snag, uh, except for he ended up back on a desert planet again. But um, so, you know, they, they're ultimately of a similar goal to to to, to pretty much uh, disrupt the empire. One has to do with uh, well, one has to do with two of them had to kind of do with some sort of sub- subterfuge, but basically it's trying to get rid of a large chunk of the Empire. That's all we're going to say. Uh, Han meets one of um, Leia's uh, exes, just like we met uh, Sana, in, in a sense, and of course mm-hmm. this book. And Chewie and uh, 3PO meet up with some um, unknown life forms that was not that was not there on the planet they were sent to um, destroy. To, to get rid of the Empire, so that's going to cause a problem. It also weirdly reminded me that, that hey, there was a book uh, in the old, in the extended universe uh, of old that Chewie died in trying to save people getting off of a planet, but luckily that's not canon anymore, so we're just going to have to go so hopefully, that, obviously that's not going to go there. Anyway, uh, Wonder Twins number six, uh, the twins end up uh, stopping a global event from happening, but also 
keeps worldwide sweeping changes from happening and ruined the life of one of the character's best friends. Um, but they didn't necessarily fully stop the said global event that happened because apparently if the last page is in the indication, it's still going to happen. And it has to do with a worldwide body swapping. So go figure on that one. Like a Freaky Friday style thing, I guess. Uh, Young Justice number seven. So the team got whisked away at the events of last issue uh, into the multiverse. And not unlike the Spider-Verse, but definitely not. So they they so they end up getting um, whisked off of Jim World, and they've been basically traveling the multiverse because no no dimension wants them. So they've been going from place to place, um, not uh, well basically against their will. So and they end up like in the places like where Captain Carrot comes in. They end up ultimately on uh, in the dimension of Kingdom Come. Uh, which is a, which is an event that I've never read. Now that I think about it, really? Yeah, I've. I, I'm I, getting and I'm getting crap from Batman Wing '97 for not reading Crisis and uh, Crisis Infinite. Or in, well, at least I've read that. Come on, number one through twelve that came out before I was old enough to collect it. Although I'm probably going to go back and read that one anyway. Yeah, but I have actually I bought Kingdom Come and I have intended to read it because there were some things that were. It's brought only up. four issues. That's why. I, yeah, that's just also it's true. Not as bad. But yeah, yeah, but there was some stuff that was brought up in, during the course of this issue that that um, called back to it, and I'm like, okay, this sounds kind of like injustice, but not really. Um, but yeah, so th- that happens, and then but the whole thing is being played for uh, with a whole bunch of um, laughs to well, to the, at least to the audience, not to the group, because some of them are having trauma. But they get like I said, they get get booted from dimension to dimension, and including the one from uh, um, Kingdom Come, where Doctor Fate's like, "Yeah, I did the math, and I sent them home." But oh wait, I did the math wrong, so now they're on, they're on a they're not in another dimension but don't worry they'll be fine and we just see them at the the, the last page in a uh, I'm not sure what dimension it is but apparently it, according to the, the, the footnote is the worst uh, universe and Cap- Captain Carrot makes a comment about the multi-thirsty the multi-thirsty oh wait is it multiverse thirsty that's what he says so but I'm thinking that might have a Bugs Bunny thing uh, anyway, last but not least, I've, I've been enjoying Young Justice, even though I shouldn't say it like that, but hey, it's true. Um, Bitterroot, Red Summer, Bitterroot, Red Summer, One Shot Number One is my last book. And all it is is um, uh, um, it's a big one shot book with a bunch of little mini stories in it that are kind of loosely that are basically loosely collected like there are some backstories for a couple of characters there's two that like one is a backstory and then there's a kind of mainish story that ties into it that finds one of the main characters from the from the main book uh in this other place where he got sucked into and this is basically like sometimes you know Hey, you know when like Franklin went into a time warp and then comes out looking older and you know whatever or something like that. It's kind of one of those kind of stories, but we see it getting played out and the character is still in it because the character before was kind of a weakling. But we see kind of them going through this and finding old people that from the family 
and learning how to fight finally and growing older and ultimately trying to find a way to get out of said dimension or whatever they play and that's kind of what this ends and I know Bitterroot is supposedly coming back sometime this fall so um, this I was going to ask, thanks for bringing that up yes uh, because yeah because uh, matter of fact I think I ended up reading the last issue the last single issue prior to this and it leads off to the place and then this kind of you know comes to this, which is partially comes off of that because yeah because somewhere in there like I said that's when this character kind of falls into this place and it kind of fills in a gap uh, until they come back in next fall as according to the, the footnote says and that is the end of all of my books we get to clicks of the week and we already have two from our erstwhile uh, absentee members the first one would be from dirt and that is marvel tales captain america which came out this week which i'm i know that is i think that's an idw book where they're i don't know if it's a retelling or just some um random other story I, i didn't get a chance to actually look at it but I know the Marvel Tales is kind of like the Marvel action books is where they're just like other side stories of Marvel. Right, and a little bit more uh, all ages. Right, exactly. Uh, and for Tim, which if you've been paying attention in the last few months uh, is probably no surprise, which I got this on deck to finish reading or to, to read up on, is Naomi number six. I know he's been um, he's been digging that book a good bit. And I also said, because I think he even said something on Twitter about it and I was like yeah I had my interpretation for it which is kind of known at this point based on who's writing it mm-hmm. but he's not well it's 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 it's, it's, co- it's a co-writing team that, well, that's what I was about to say it's co-writing right. so that kind of that kind of lessens the blow a little bit and um, I think Tim even said on Twitter it was like yeah you'll you'll definitely like it for the Jamal Campbell art which I'm like yeah I'm not surprised by that but at the same time knowing that it's co-writing kind of lessens the blow of you know my interpretations about this book. So he didn't necessarily give him a read, but like I said, I know he's been he's been hot on his book All right. uh, for a minute. So cool. Um, and as for myself and you, I'm gonna go with my uh, the, the, the first book that uh, that struck me as being well worth the time to read, and that's Thor number fifteen. I kind of figured you would. Uh, it was just a really great read, and as we mentioned earlier, the reveal of how uh, Malekith is going to be uh, tortured in uh, hell is very reminiscent of uh, the myths of Vold. Coco. And for myself, um, hmm. I know amazing was actually pretty good, but actually that was this was actually a pretty good week. I don't know uh, well, judging what why what what Dirt said about what he read and why he picked what he picked. That's, that's right, but he thing, but he's but, choosing amongst. I was about to say he's choosing amongst DC books because uh, that's what he was reading. So well, I know, but I'm just saying it's like oh, uh, and well, we I mean he, we know his proclivities are kind of more on DC side than than the mm-hmm. Marvel stuff, so. Which is why it made that pick was kind of weird. <laughs> it was like, huh, okay. Um, but anyway, uh, stalling aside, I, you know what? I think I'm going to go with Avengers number 21. Okay. I, I enjoyed that. There was a couple of books I could have I could have picked this week, but uh, that one, you know, uh, yeah, I'll go with that one. So first I had to read it tonight. 
our first battery of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight. It's your home for our exclusive collectibles, such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel, including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise, such as custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the fun code link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. Cinematic news. The news. I forgot to put up the um the 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 ad for. That's okay. But you know what? So you can see our smiling faces again. It's okay. Anyway. I read it. <laughs> That's what matters. Well, yeah, but I usually try to put it up just to whatever, yeah. whatever. So anyway. Uh, start off like we do every week, cinematic news, and we start off with, um, actually I'll do the first two because they're both Snyder related but different. Um, no, for, have fun. You can take it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, lucky me. Um, Zack Snyder releases heartbreaking Justice League cyborg photo from the Snyder Cut. So yes, the oft-mentioned, never probably realized Snyder Cut that people are still trying to petition for stupidly um that he's playing up let's let's be let's be honest and i don't know who this i in all honesty i probably shouldn't have even pulled this because this is a kind of a non thing because i don't know who this twitter account is and and that usually you know because usually that doesn't bode well as being anybody legit but regardless you know people are still trying to petition the the snyder cut and they said and so and this one twitter account put over well, excuse me, Zack Snyder shared um, a black and white issue of Cy- Cyborg and Cemetery, according to this. Uh, and I guess that was going to be something that, that was in his cut, which I kind of, I feel like he's just at this point, it was like, well, yeah, the, the we'll, we'll see if we can bait this out. Like, yeah, I had all these plans, but um, they, well, since there's no Snyder cut, we, we don't we won't get to see it. Now, to, to be fair, you know the reason why we didn't get Snyder's movie in the first place is because he had to deal with a family tragedy. So I'm not trying to belittle that part about it, but part of this kind of just was like, yeah, well, yeah, I got more to it that he just thought of <laughs> and put that out. Of, but that's not necessarily true. And so, like I said, I don't want to belittle the things that he went through. You know that got him off of the project in the first place. Um, but yeah, that's a thing. So that supposedly happened. That will may or may not come to, to pass. But the second article, Zach Slider related, is that he is developing an anime with Netflix. <laughs> and of course, the the byline here, thanks to Kim's about released the Snyder cut of Norse mythology. So <laughs> ha 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 ha. Uh, so apparently, but anyway, um, yeah, apparently he's partnered with with the Netflix, and they're going to do something centered around Norse mythology. Norse mythology. Um. And you know, hey, guess what? Snyder did three hundred. Maybe it's three hundred related. We don't know, or at least reminiscent. Right. 
It's, I mean, it, it, I mean, especially with anime, it's probably I, I would almost guarantee that it's probably an anime version of something in three hundred. It's not like it's not wouldn't be the first time something like this happened. I don't know. It could be something totally different, but that's just 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 a report that's going on. That you know, we don't know what exactly it is. It could be something totally different. You know, who knows? But as a thing, there you go. Oh, and right. apparently he's uh, he's also working with another Netflix project, Army of the Dead. Uh, which I uh, see is a movie that is conceived as a sequel to Snyder's Dawn of the Dead reboot for 2004. Um, so Army of the Dead will mark Snyder's re- return after a two-year directorial, directorial hiatus following the release of Justice League. So yeah, so Snyder's working. Yay, I guess. All right. Uh, next <clears throat> up, because um, I thought you were finished and you added on an extra story. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick actually appeared on the NBC on NBC's The Today Show earlier this week on Tuesday morning. In a segment, uh, NBC reporter Joe Lane Kent interviewed uh, Kelly Sue about her work in comics and had a big focus on Aquaman. Yeah. And by the way, I finally did see Kelly Sue DeConnick's um, uh, uh, cameo. cameo in Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. You really can't miss it as long as. You're not sort of overwhelmed by like the scene it's because it's easily, it's easily missed. Yeah, but if you you know like, and she's kind of distinctive, so it's like you know, at right? Like it's a, it's in a subway scene, and it really right. is the way the the scene plays out. You really can miss it if you're right. sort of overwhelmed by what's happening. Right. But if you're able to kind of sit and watch it, especially at home, you can really spot it right away. Which guess what? That's sooner said than sooner said than not. Uh, I love Kelly Sue. She's dope. Um. So that's cool. I had to watch that. Anyway, uh, speaking of from one Captain Marvel to another, I guess. Uh, right. To, uh, DC's Shazam documentary documentary uh, trailer uh, comes out. So this is on the heels of... Oh, yeah. By the way, folks, um, San Diego Comic-Con next week. Get so ready for this, lots of uh, actually, this news. Is, yeah. Well, actually, we're going to get some from this week because just like I said last week, there's going to be, prior to the show, there's going to be news uh, about it, and yeah, we're going to get some of it here. So yeah, so there is a uh, Shazam documentary um, that is going to be shown at uh, San Diego, and the trailer for it um, has been put out. And um, as it says, like yeah, DC Spotlight Shazam will have a war premiere on Thursday, July 18th through Comic Con, um, and it is scheduled to be streamed on DC Universe later this year. Next. Alrighty, uh, Warner Brothers, HBO Max, new streaming service includes DC Universe and Cartoon Network items and more. So it's all going to be mishmashed into this HBO Max app uh, for their uh, streaming application. Yeah, now we've had word, we, we, we may have even reported on word of this happening, and I know we've talked about it in the back channel a little bit, So, but apparently, hey, guess what? It's a thing, it's happening. Which is the weirdly named HBO Max. Like, now, there's already a couple other streaming services under the HBO name, so it's kind of weird that it's it's HBO Max, which is HBO Cinemax, I assume, but, I, well, actually, it's not soon, but um, um, HBO Max meaning, hey, Max, I mean maximum, but um, but the fact that they call it that as opposed to I don't know CWWB or something like that, and they went with or Warner Streaming, right? Yeah, yeah, but 
as you said, um, there's logos for DC Universe, Cartoon Network, uh, Adult Swim, TBS, CNN, but you know, New Line Cinema, True TV, you know, a bunch of bunch of Warner-owned uh, networks, which also begs the question of like what is going to happen with DC Universe? Like, I know we've had re- reports of the maybe. Oh yeah, there's that Naomi thing, huh? Interesting. Um, <clears throat> you know that they there's a report that they may be trying to restructure that or this that could be something that could be swallowed up within this streaming service. I kind of hope not, and that it, that it stays separate and keep the stuff that it's going to get. But you know that's not how things usually work in this situation. Uh, next up. That sorry, this is um, yours. I know. Uh, boop, Spider Man Far From Home still doesn't. You should have taken this one. <laughs> Spider Man Far From Home still doesn't do justice to Uncle Ben because we literally talked about this last week we in our absolutely. very, very spoiler free review of Spider Man Far From Home. I Go back and listen if you haven't watched it. Oh, well, that, watched and I, it. right. And I thought we actually talked about this part after the or before or after the fact. I can't remember. But maybe we did talk about it during the course of the thing. Um, so yeah, let's listen to our our thoughts there. Like you know, Agent Seventies kind of believes in this. We all. I there's also I, I have a report. I think I I'm just going to take it as CBR's fans of the show. Like yes, we know somebody that works for them and that that mm-hmm. side. But I feel like there's been a couple of times, and I, I, this is all me just be, being jokey, but I know this, this can't be the truth. Yeah, this is firmly tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, because there's been times even before Tim started working there where it's like we would bring up something on the show, and then there just happened to be an article the next day, within the next day <laughs> from from of there. So, but, you know, like I said, that's all tongue-in-cheek, it's not, it's not to, including a couple of things that happened. But I know there was one that happened, like, the day of, like, this one, I think, or something that, that we... No, there was actually a, an article that came out on the 4th that seemed like something we talked about that day, but obviously the article came out before we did anything. Anyway, so yeah, this is an article, and there's slightly spoilerific uh, on the movie if you haven't seen it, which like I said, we, you know, we talked about it, we didn't try to spoil anything, and I think everybody on our, on our panel has seen it. Um... I don't have confirmation that Tim saw it. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure about that one. That's what. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm not right. sure. But we I know everybody else. That the surprise member of our panel actually watched it. Yeah, I know, right? And and actually liked it. I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's that. We won't go too far into it. But basically, like I said, what we said about this last week still holds true. I'm kind of saying whatever, and and Agent Seventy has his thoughts that kind of mm-hmm. mirror this article. Um. Next up. Speaking of Far From Home. Oh, yeah. There's still a couple uh, articles on this. (laughs) Speaking of Far From Home, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home has owned this previous 4th of July weekend, the long weekend, with I think the numbers are uh, updated um, to cover uh, the Tuesday through Sunday portion. Of the, yeah, of this, um, Tuesday release. Yeah, this this article is from a few days ago. So as of this recording, we're recording on the eleventh. So, and those numbers came out on the seventh. So that uh, obviously the, those numbers will have changed by by even this recording. Right. So I want to say, but it made a lot uh, of money. That's the that's the bottom line. Right. I want to say it made a lot of money and has earned a lot of money worldwide. So. Yes. Uh, you know, Disney's still making uh, money hand over fist, yes. but this is a reminder to all you folks out there who uh, 
need to help Avengers Endgame overtake uh, Avatar. Yes, this matters to me. I'm petty. <laughs> Which, again, money's still going to the same place, so that's, that's petty at this point. But I get it. I get it. You know what? Petty game strong. I get you. <laughs> um, and um, on a side note, recipes to Rip Thorn. We're not having an intergalactic kegger. Um, which, if you know where that's from, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, and I know there's a couple of people actually that is, but we'll probably get to that as they, as they come along. Uh, far from home, Zendaya scared Spider-Man suit will kill Tom Holling, Holland, which that's <laughs> wow. So basically, um, she was talking. She and Jacob Batalon was talking to MTV News. And they brought up the suit apparently, and both of them were like, and I, well, and and Jacob was like, I don't wish that on anybody because apparently the suit's real tight, and Zendaya was scared that um, she hoped that he doesn't like, you know, regurgitate in the suit and chokes chokes because of how tight the the uh, suit is or something. Okay. So that was a genuine fear that she said she had. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Um, cause she even said, cause she says like, you know what I think about all the time that really scares me. It's like when he wears that mask and you just can't take it off because it's all one, like one piece. I get scared all the time. Like what if he's working so hard that he's throw, that he throws up and then he can't, like, he chokes, you know? And she says she thinks about it all the time. She's, and she hopes he doesn't get sick because for those reasons, so I guess okay. that's, that, yeah, that's telling in a couple of, couple of, uh, uh and on that morbid note, uh, I know, right? Hey, I mean, it kind of fits with the character, sort of, but, you know. Right. Anyway, um, next. next up, this is very spoiler-heavy, spoiler alert. Yeah, we don't have to go too far into it, but yeah. Actually, the next couple are kind of on that line. So Yeah, we'll, we'll tread lightly around these yes. because we're still very close. We still, we're still not that far away from the release of Spider-Man Far From Home. So, exactly. um, you know, for the benefit of those who uh, still haven't gone out to see it, um, there is a twist to Nick Fury's story, and the and John Watts, the uh, director of Far From Home, explains that particular twist. Um, and uh, if you want to avoid that spoiler, don't follow this story on our sheet, and don't follow um, any links that uh, hinted that online. Matter of fact, get off of social media. Just just go. Um, yeah, kidding, but... watch it first. I mean, that's kind of a rule nowadays. If you want to be, uh, if you want to avoid spoilers uh, for a movie that you want to be spoiled, that you want to go in uh, spoiler free to, mm. you kind of have to stay off of social media. Although there is a way, there is a way around it. it. It can be done. It's it's been done. You know, you just have to tread lightly. Maybe mute some things if you need to, mm-hmm. or something. which is essentially staying off because you're not, you know, fully immersed. So something like that, yeah. But next up. Um, Spider-Man: Far From Home derails the 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 speaking of Nick Fury reveals how long Nick Fury has been spoiler, which again we won't go too far into mm-hmm. because of the spoilers given in the end of the movie. Uh, next, right, and another kind of very spoilery thing: Spider-Man: Far From Home landed a particularly draw-dropping cameo. We kind of spoiled this last week, so the like so so but um. Right, we did, and I, you know, we, we rang the spoiler bell, but just in case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a certain cameo that happened in uh, in the the uh, mid credit scene that, to the delight of myself, and I'm sure most people, 
sure. um, that, that that care about those movies. Uh, in addition to the big the big reveal, right? <laughs> it's a big canonical. It's a big you know character. Yes. Uh, well, actually, two characters at that. If you if you think about it, but yes, a character and a place, right? Um, that get that get brought up. But yeah, so this article is basically goes into how that happened. I guess uh, some behind the scenes from whoever they were talking to. Next, um. I really should have not put a lot of stuff in there, but whatever, it's relevant. Um, a we minor, just go quickly through it, that's all. Yeah, you know, you're going to have a week of this, or a week or two mm-hmm. of this, because, you know, new sites try to ring every little bit, piece of information for the stuff for hits. I mean, I'm just saying that's just a thing that happens. I'm not even knocking it too much. Um, but there's just, there does seem to be some articles that were like, hey, this happened. Oh, yeah, this happened, but this you know, from the same site. I'm like, you, didn't you just write an article on that? Anyway, editorializing. A minor MCU character just became much more dangerous, which we... I don't remember if we alluded to too much to about this character, but Ralphie might be a bigger player than... than, than, um, than, um, than what happens in the... Than what we need yeah, to get from... exactly. You his, know, it's showing in the MCU. Call it a comeback. Yeah, because uh, this character uh, was introduced in the very first Iron Man movie, and in the wake of Endgame, all of a sudden, Ralphie may be playing a much bigger role. <laughs> and also, a Christmas story is in the MC. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure it is. If Star Wars is, I'm sure a Christmas story. Oh God, so. no. Um, but you yeah, know, so hello, help yeah. me build my Lego Death Star. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, a, a minor, a seemingly minor character that shows up uh, that that shows up in this movie and has also been in the MCU and as as Agent Seventy said in an, a previous Iron Man movie, might be a bigger deal going forward based on something we may or may not have mentioned last week. That Which I don't is. remember we did, but yeah, I do remember that part. And I wanted to bring it up, but because I think we kind of glossed around it. Because, right, we're still not trying to spoil it. Right, because of because of what happened to the main person in, the, in that dealing, but at the same time, it was kind of connected. So, anyway, that's the thing. You when you go see the movie, you and you know who Ralphie is. You, right. you know. Next, so up. this is kind of a spoiler as well, but yeah. um, but it's also been out there a little bit. There's actually a story out here um, from uh, it's information direct from the horse's mouth, director John Watts of mm-hmm. Far From Home regarding why Stanley does not have a cameo in Spider-Man Far From Home. And it turns out that it was actually an active decision. It wasn't because uh, it wasn't because um, they didn't have time to. It's a, it was a mix of uh, a decision to have Stan's last cameo be in Endgame and the fact that Stan really was not doing very well mm-hmm. uh, when... Uh, the opportunity to film his to film any cameo from Far From Home would have come up. So right, because I believe was, all the all the cameos, the previous cameos up until then, was done earlier. Right, and they were all pretty much done at the same time. So mm-hmm. like they brought them to Atlanta, you know, to the, the Pinewood Studio, and just filmed the whole bunch of them. Right. So, um, uh, ultimately, that's that's the, uh, the reason why, and it's a practical, it's a pragmatic reason. Still kind of sad, but yes, it was a you know it didn't feel basically falls down to it didn't feel right, but, you know, given coming out of that, which makes sense. It was, mm-hmm. well, and not even knocking it, but it's still notable, right? Um, like you felt it, you felt mm-hmm. it. 
Like, you was like, okay, yeah, this is going to happen. Oh, no, it's not going to happen. So, anyway, um, speaking of John Watts, he, who's been talking a good bit lately, like Tom Holland was last week. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home director talks Marvel's uh, PS4 game influences. Uh, short and sweet, there weren't really. But, um, and I wanted to bring this up last week, because there were some scenes um, that seemed like it was taken out of PS4 game. Right. Uh, no, most notable, and this is not so much of a spoiler, because if you think about Spider-Man, he, this tends to happen. He was swinging along taking selfies, which happens a lot, which can happen a lot in the uh, in the PS4 game. Um, he did say he did play the game on a break, but then thought, like, wait a minute, I should be doing something that's not Spider-related. Like, during the course of filming, they had a break, and he played the game, basically. And, yeah. he, and he was like, you know what, I shouldn't be doing something Spider-Man-related while I'm still filming the Spider-Man movie. And then he went and just does something else. But he did play the game on a, on a break for a little bit. But, uh, as he says, it doesn't... None of that um, influence... Or he's saying that none of that influenced... The, the movie it just so it does seem like it though like with right. a couple of things that I saw that I know I've seen in the in the uh, in the game it really seems like it right I mean listen as, as selfie culture has exploded it wasn't a surprise even for people who didn't play the game well that, even that, but but even outside of that though like okay hey no but even people who, you know, even for myself who, who didn't play the game true. that's my point well but it yeah but we, but we also but, but we also know being you know, people who know Peter's history, it's not like he had, doesn't take pictures of himself during the course. Right. Of, you know, so you know, the being selfie or being just sort of getting money from it. You know, right? Like auto, like auto, uh, which we call automatic uh, shutters for uh, cameras. Right. It wasn't outside the realm of the uh, uh, outside of realm of what would have happened, regardless. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's that. Uh, oops. All right, this is me. Um, uh-huh. Black Panther's Chadwick Boseman shares an adorable fan letter that he received that was written in Wakanda. Yes. So we got a fan letter written in and so yeah. So basically, written in Wakanda, and I was going to ask where is where is the um, the alphabet published? Oh, it's out there. You can you can do a um, you can do a search for it because I remember doing it when the when the I feel like we talked about it. But there's also even a font, if I'm not mistaken, that you could uh, okay. do on a computer that that will type out in Wakanda. Uh, but when the the so obviously there was a, a the, the Wakanda alphabet was made for the movie, and the person Hannah uh, Belcher. Who created the 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 alphabet um, that the kid used? Um, you know, found out about it, and then they they told Chadwick uh, Boseman, who tweeted about it, and you know, and apparently he's Chadwick um, Boseman is interested in accents and language, even you know, referring to the Wakandan language that was used, which is a mix of a couple of different languages, uh, actual languages, I should say. You know, tweeted about this and it was cool. I was like, that was that was really neat. So, and you can see the tweet here if you're watching the video that that Chadwick Boseman, Boseman made. So that was adorable. But yeah, you can you can definitely if you just look up Wakandan alphabet, you can definitely find that out there, including like I say, a font that you could plug into your you know uh, plug in and use to type with. Next up, uh, a report. John Wick creator boards Disney Plus's Falcon and Winter Soldier. So, according to... 
I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, the John Wick creator Derek Kolstad has joined the writing team, according to the, the rap uh, for Falcon and Winter Soldier. So expect inspect much shooting and perhaps some dogs. Um, <laughs> There's going to be some gun fu, or at least Bucky's version of gun fu. Well, Falcon too, probably because you could do some things with the wings. Oh, oh, yeah, I was about to say, I but almost definitely. forgot that. That's his primary offensive weapon, other mm-hmm. than stabbing people with the wings. Exactly. So, but yeah, but you are definitely right. There will be some probable probable conflict with with uh, Bucky. But yeah, so um, apparently Colstad is also doing the Just Cause movie for Sony and another Hitman. Oh wait, there's going to be a Hitman television series. Oh geez, interesting. So yeah, so I guess he's you know getting that John Wick and other money while he's at it. Good on him, I guess. Yeah, I mean they're work- they're probably working on John Wick Four as we speak. So well, more than likely, yeah, because we know there's there's more to come on that one. Mm-hmm. So move right along. Or they might already have the story, so this is his next job. Oh my god, that's probably also true. Yeah, because yeah, because like, it, it seems like because yeah, because yeah, seemed like because we yeah, we talked about it right after three came out. It was like they already had like four A and five. Yeah, they already had four and five out the uh, you know working on. So yeah, clearly they had something going on. Right. My understanding is that they they had put out a date for four so quickly. Mm-hmm. It does sound like they already have a story in place for four, and you know the uh, what's we'll the writer is just like, hey, I'm going to jump on this Marvel train, right? And then it all's going to connect with Fast and Furious, and then another franchise is going to intersect with that. And we're oh no, one big happy Fast and Furious family. If it was if, if Fast and Furious wasn't owned by Universal. Uh, so. You know what? They can they can work around that. But yeah, so I've already I've already hinted around to 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 my my putting together of a couple of universes in that mm. I still hold true that it's the case. Fight me for it. Next up, right. next up, the latest Star Wars animated short actually makes the Ewoks kind of scary. Mm. They've been putting on these Galaxy of Adventure shorts um, a little hot and heavy. I like it. So, and this one seems to be rounding, starting to round out. Uh, excuse me, towards the end of the original trilogy, because this deals with the, the Ewoks, obviously, as stated, from Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, and I guess this is probably um, the scene in, in Return of the Jedi when the Ewoks come into play and beat down a bunch of twice as tall as their <laughs> uh, stormtroopers with sticks. With and, rocks! With, with rocks! rocks. And sticks. Yes. Handily uh, at that, which... Yeah, all right. Logs is one thing, but rocks... Uh... Not boulders, rocks. Yes, anyway. rocks. They pelted them with rocks, and they had the one uh, ATST get get uh, log jammed. <laughs> Which it, you've uh, surely everybody have seen this movie, but but uh, I don't know. I need to watch this one specifically to see if they actually do that one because that's kind of funny. But yeah, check that out. Next up, um, Next up for Little Mermaid casting news. Yes. Disney cast Gronish, and no offense to her, but Gronish star. Halle Bailey as Ariel, and I swear to God, I read that as Halle Berry. When you I first are read. not the only one. Which, in fact, um, oh, I didn't put it in here. Halle Berry herself did um, go out on Twitter and and you know re- reply about the casting, and you know and and uh, Miss Bailey here was like geeking out about it and was like, yeah, I'm glad we share names, which I'm pretty sure because she's probably named after Halle more than likely. Right. We don't know. And, my, and, 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 and I hate to bring this out for this, uh, my, 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 uh, my debut use of this particular sound effect, but having never watched 
Gronish, and I didn't recognize the name. I was like, uh, who? So there it is. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, apparently I, I never watched Gronish. So I'm just like, honestly, look. Seriously? So who? here's the thing. She is be- so, according to this article. She is best known for one half of the R&B sister duo Chloe times Halle. I didn't know anything about who? that either. <laughs> Exactly. Like I, at the end like, of the day, for someone a young, you know, for like, especially for the younger, uh, what should we call it? Casting anyone younger is always going to be hit and miss for us, right? In terms of in in, in terms of either uh, facial or name recognition, right? So and so, as much as I hate to bring this up, yeah, there was a lot of um, hubbub and bitching about her casting because she is a young African American girl, and of course, the arrow was animatically portrayed because she's a freaking mermaid by the way um as a little white redhead and people just came out of the woodwork being really stupid about it and there was an article yeah. that i put in about it but it's, it's still in the um the uh, clickbait section but i just I took it out of the news section sure it's it, the thing is it brings out the worst in people so yeah and, and everything's been bringing out the worst in certain people yeah. uh the, the last couple of years but i digress Right. Uh, in other Disney news, yeah, I was about uh, to say in more live action remake stuff. Yeah, I, oh god, don't get me started on right. that crap. So there's a fir- there's a, a trailer for the uh, first trailer for the Mulan live action remake, um, blazes with grace action and apparently uh, more faith to the original Mulan story and less, at least according to the trailers thus far, maybe less being less beholden to the animated version that we are so familiar with. Right. Um, and, but I hear, but I mean, from the couple of friends, I saw it looks good. So, and I, I know you're trying to, to rush this along to it, so we'll keep it. No, I mean, I watched it. Did you? Yeah. So, um, okay. So how would you think about it? Cause I don't know. I mean, it was, it, it was, I've never seen Mulan and I know I'm going to catch hell for that, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, there was a time when we were not overwhelmed with Disney, uh, movies and animated movies where uh, watching these kind of came to rigor, you know, where mm-hmm. you just sort of did it at some point. Yeah. You know, you watched it with. Uh, there are people, or, there are people not necessarily younger with than, no kids yet. Right. There know? are people younger than me who are big Disney fans who are like, you. I'm like, yeah, calm down. Right. And because right. they are more of age for these particular sets of movies that they're remaking than it's probably me and you. Right, there's a generation that came after us that this is, you know, th- you know that that came up when they were young and uh, right. a little bit came out. So, right. so this is from '98. I'm like, like I was getting out of college right. and working. I'm like, I'm right. not saying that so, I wouldn't want to. And actually, I probably I, I plan to rectify that fact, and I probably will stay away from the. Right. I mean, I was still an undergrad at the point at that right. point, like just just about to come out of it. But ultimately, in fact, uh, I was out of college at that point. Oh, I think. Right, but that was something that was like you know that was like a, uh, you know something to see with friends and, and, and whatnot. So sure, that's the only reason at that point why I, why I was uh, um, uh, why I had seen it at that point. And thus, also my, my Disney fan friends who keep uh, quoting quoting um, songs from said movies like Mulan and whatever. Like I know some of the stuff and I know where they're from, but I have not seen the movie. So I will catch myself sometimes like, uh, catching a bar of a, of a song that I have no, I should not have any kind of recollection of because I've not seen the movie, but yeah, it's weird. Anyway, next up, um, 
The first footage for Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 is here, and it's bonkers. Because, I mean, Eva's bonkers, as as uh, Agent 70 can Yes, <laughs> I can attest to having come can off finally of attest a, to. <laughs> a very strenuous binge. Wait, you, you did do the other couple of movies also, right? Or just I uh, did one of them. I didn't, okay. do, I didn't do the more confusing one. I did the less confusing one. Okay. Which is the one that came later in time. Right, the the, the, the epilogue epilogue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the the true ending, as they would say. But I don't necessarily want to go back and confuse myself more with the first ending that came out. I mean, with the second ending that came out. You know, I, I you watched did, the third ending and I was like, oh, okay. I was about to say, you did it during the original, so I think you've, you've done... You know, you've, you've right. got diligence. But yeah, so apparently um, there's more to, you know, since uh, Eva came out on on Netflix and there's more to it. And apparently, y- yeah, I don't know, man. It's, just <laughs> it's a lot. Anyway, we're going to move right along. Cause not, even trying. Yeah. Point, not even trying. I'm actually doing a rewatch of Eva now and I'm like, okay, I'm, I don't know. It's, listen, it's I'm, not even to the, I'm not even to the crazy stuff yet. Right, it's first footage when it's released. That's when I'll deal with it. Yeah. Um, Star Trek Picard on the CBS All Access uh, uh, app. Patrick Stewart has debuted an unexpected co-star in the new image for uh, Picard show. And um, yes, and set the set basically set the internet aflame slightly because of this. So yeah, if you're watching the video, you can see the the uh, poster in question. Picard, aka um, Patrick Stewart, looks like he aka John Wick. Oh yeah, no, I know right. Actually, he looks more like he was he's straight out of Firefly with that picture. Okay, with the with the, with the, with the, with the I guess it's a shirt, but it looks like a duster and the boots and whatnot. But he, that's why uh, I thought John Wick. I was like, yeah. he looks like a suit. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, nah, it's like I said, to me, it's just like he just came straight out of Firefly. But so he has a picture of a, a dog, which I guess is a pit bull, which apparently he actually owns a pit bull in real life. Not, no one's sure if the the one in the picture is his actual one or the one they got for the show. So yeah, so he's gonna have a coastal coastal with the dog, and people love dogs on the internet. It's a fact. It says, "Oh, standing right beside him, yeah, it's a pit bull with a Starfleet logo hanging from his collar, and you know those collars are gonna sell now <laughs> if they haven't already been out." Right. So anyway, next up is you. Um, Paper Paper Girls, which I know this will please, should probably please Tim. Paper Girls graphic novels eyed as Amazon time traveled drama series, which like again, Tim being the only one who has actually read Paper Girls and knows what's going on in that thing. But apparently um, Deadline reports that it's possibly going to end up as an Amazon show because, you know, they're mining every bit of comics from every angle for a live action thing. They're looking for that intellectual property to exploit. Yeah. I'm starting to get it. Well, I'm past. I can't believe they actually have 30 issues of that. Wow. Yeah, and I think, I can't remember, uh, I think we talked about it's either set to end or or what is about to end at some point. I don't remember. Regardless, but yeah, I think it's, it's either ended or ending at some point soon. If it has not already ended. So, yeah. But, yeah. And yet they can't get sock off the ground. Let me stop. I'm not even going to do that. Not doing that because <laughs> we talked about that at one point either way. So I don't know. I still do not read Saga. So don't shoot me. All right, we're going to go into briefly the um, the comic book news. Starting off with Star Wars confirms that Palpatine's Darth Vader mentorship was dumb. 
Um, this has to do with uh, a, a uh, Age of Rebellion book that I did not yet read because I'm pretty much stocking those up and I got tired of reading those when they came out. I'm just being honest. Because um, half of them have nothing to do with anything pertinent. But anyway, so yeah, that's that's that. Uh, you can read okay. it for yourself if you want to see how that actually, what that actually means. Next. Alrighty. Uh, a trailer was released teasing Absolute Carnage, and the trailer promised that not everyone's going to make it out alive. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I have no 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 sound effect for that, but whatever. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Uh, I should have pushed that. Oh, why did I get this one? Marvel announces Fantastic Four Grand Design by Tom Skelly. Because you love Tom Skelly's art on GoBots. No. Oh, no. no. Absolutely. Okay, it's better than that Transformers versus GoBots. I mean, Transformers versus G.I. Joe thing he did, but no. It was better for him, just not good. Like, like hey, guess what? I, so here's my thing. Ed Pescor did the grand, uh, the grand design, X Men grand design stuff. I feel like Marvel must have asked him. He was like, "Nah, either I can't do it, or I won't do it because I'm not whatever." And then they got Tam Shielder, who basically, I would argue, is biting Pescor's style. You think? That's my personal opinion. I don't. Think that, that may not necessarily. So there's be true. a couple things to this, right? I, I wanted to add a couple things to this before we move on. Sure. Believe it or not, Ed Pescor actually has a YouTube show. Oh yes, and, I knew that and, already. Yeah. He actually had Tom Scioli on as a guest in the wake of this announcement. Okay. So th- so I don't know if Scioli... I'm not familiar with Scioli's artwork. Let's put it this way. they. I think... I, well, there are people who came across Piscor first, mm-hmm. and then Scioli happens to come along. They probably have been out around the same time and just have just have similar styles. So Gotcha. Yeah, it's a little bit more indie, a little bit more like... Uh, uh, whatchamacallit... Uh, you know, kind of crumb influence. Yes. Like a, a, um, a I was just going to add that um, Piscor came out fairly early on in in between uh, ver- uh, in, in between volumes of Grand Design and said that he didn't necessarily want to do uh, other Grand Design books because he just wasn't as big a fan as he was of the X-Men. Which, again, that lends, lends credence to what I just said uh, before I knew all that, before you said that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, uh, I, and as a fan of, of Ed Piscor's and not so much of a fan of Tom Scioli, um, I, I still stand behind what I said, but I, but I kind <laughs> I'll, of, I'll just, look at it, but it's not going to be something I pull right away. Yeah, basically. Um, and I, and I do say, like, when we talked about GoBots, I was uh, the, like, Tom Scioli's art has gotten better from the first thing that I know, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, PC and underscore dirt and I both looked at which was right. uh, Transformers versus G.I. Joe which was kind of a mess art wise personally gotcha. so he's gotten a little bit better I still I still stand by everything I just said about whatever knowing what I know alrighty next uh, up next up is Al, Al, Mike Allred and Peter Milligan are launching a book called The Excellent in 2020 so um these former Ecstatics collaborators are now coming together to produce a book called Excellent. Which is basically more Ecstatics, kind of. Pretty much. <laughs> it's, uh... 
Which, by the way, uh, Giant Size Ecstatics came out this week. None of us wrote, uh, watched. Uh, no, none of us read it. Right. So, but yes, there's going to be more uh, mm-hmm. in 2020. So, and apparently uh, that uh, Giant Size Ecstatics reveals an all new Yugo girl, which is oh, the daughter okay. of the original who died in Ecstatics. Gotcha. Um, so, gotcha. Gotcha. So, yes, this this uh, the book that came out this week is kind of setting up what they're going to do next year. And of course, we get more dupe. We yes. all want more dupe. Yes, which that was dupe. Like, yeah, never, yeah, never Kirk. I never really understood. He was a good treasure goblin in um, Marvel Heroes. That's all I will say. All right. <laughs> um, oh gosh, Marvel debuts team of Axe body spray inspired superheroes. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, so, they right. are, so yes, a trailer uploaded to Axis website introduced five fresh... Okay, so the comic publishers will introduce The Fresh Man, a new team inspired by X Body Spray. <laughs> Mind you, they're not all men. Uh, one. Uh, and yes, I get the fresh part of that joke, but whatever. So, uh, anyway, there's a trailer that was uploaded to Axis' website who introduces the five freshmen from the Future Minds School of Science and Technology uh, in Chicago. Uh, And they give their names, and the narration uh, explains that thanks to a combination... Thanks to a combination of their own scientific know-how and Wakandan technology, they become superheroes. And together, they are the freshmen! Oh, sorry. I, I, totally hey, boo. <laughs> I air horned over your sound effect. Also, mm. that's so funny. So, yeah, that's the thing that's coming. But, I mean, you know, there has been marketed things. You know, there's been a bunch of card slash cartoon crossover things. There's, this is not the first time. Oh, thing, and real quick, and real quick, didn't Ant Man make an Axe body spray joke when he was getting ready to disconnect Tony Stark? That is it, also a fact. It, yes, <laughs> whether that's related to his or not is, is, is inconsequential. But yes, that did happen. That is funny as hell. So yeah, look out for that. Uh, who cares? That is funny as hell. All right, next up. So Um, the next up is the thing I alluded to earlier. We don't really get to to, do so on comicology, the Young Guns sketchbook, which is like gets your next gets your first look into the next generation of Marvel artists with the Young Guns sketchbook. It is free uh, on comicology. You you just go there and check it out, and it's got uh, some samples of artists Mm -hmm. they're working with. And I think, like I said, one of them might have been one of the artists we were talking about earlier. That we didn't right. know it's three ninety nine. It actually, in terms of the, um, uh, in terms of who's featured, at least on the cover that's available in the preview, you have Mike Del Mundo, who's coming off of a good run on. But he's not uh, really Mike new. Obama. No, but uh, that's who they're featuring, right? right? As the young gun, because none of these people are all that new. And now I'm going to mention the other that's four true. artists. Which is Russell Dowderman, who's listed as a young gun. So that's kind of that's kind of weak because actually I didn't even look at the cover. Because no, wait a second, there's are, more. Yeah, none of these people are actually new. Marco Cicchetto has been around for a right. while, and uh, Aaron Cooter has been around for a while as well. Pepe Larraz has been around for a little minute, right? Know. And Javier Garone is doing uh, solid work on uh, Miles right now. So right. Um, 
it's, like, he's uh, probably the newest, the newer of all those other names. More, most and, of those other names. No, but what I was going to say is these may be they may be listed as young guns because they're the ones who may have been freshly inked to exclusives. I so, I guess sure that we'll might be that. it. That, I mean that sounds plausible, but but when you think about something like that, you thinking oh these are fresh fresh new like like brand new fresh fresh artists, not people who have been doing things for the last couple of years. You know. But hey, whatever you can go check them out, and there's little you know little bios about them, so it's still worth a look, regardless. Uh, next up, uh, Disney right. denied father's request to put Spider-Man's uh, Spider-Man on a child's grave. Now, this is a report. Oh, where? This is a report. There's the the, and this is also coming from the Sun, which is a British. Where audience. is this? Uh, the UK. No, no, no. Where is this? Where's the story? What are you talking about? It's in... The next thing I have is listen to Marvel's Wolverine, The Lost Trail for free. Oh. Oh, you know what? Then I basically skipped one. So... Yeah. <laughs> I was just like... I'm like, where is the story? Yeah. So that 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 was a story after the after this one you talk about, which actually, it, which is actually kind of funny because um, that Scott Adzik guy mm-hmm. um, also did a voice in the this Wolverine Lost Trailer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, which the news is that hey, you can you can listen to the first two chapters of Wolverine: The Lost Trail, which is the season two of the Wolverine audio podcast uh, from Marvel for free on Marvel's website, and the link is in the show notes. Right, because this is, I think, a Stitcher exclusive. Exactly. So, which I think so, so, uh, I believe also Stitcher's rebranding, and they're going by something else now because I just saw an article on that. Okay. Uh, so, but how that plays into this, who knows? Who cares? But yeah, you, if you're if you're interested in that, you can go check that out. They're like thirty minutes a piece. So. Uh, now, right, now you can talk about. Yeah, so basically, yeah, so there's a report coming from the UK that um, Disney has reportedly denied the request of to use Spider-Man on the grave of a four-year-old uh, kid who I guess passed away from uh, Luke Luco dystrophy. So I guess that sounds like it. You know, I'm not even gonna speculate. I'm not a medical person. Um, someone, let's see, someone dressed as Spider-Man led the procession at his funeral, and the superhero appeared on his casket. Um, his father also sought permission to use the popular comic book character's likeness on his son's headstone. However, the Maystone Council told the uh, of Maystone UK Council told Jones that he'd have to go, he'd have to go get the go ahead from Disney. Jones contacted the company so as to use Spider Man's likeness, but Disney reportedly denied him the use of the character. Again, this is a report. This is from the Sun, which I believe is a is another um. Uh, uh, tabloid? I don't know. I don't know British British publications, but that sounds like it's, it's tabloid, and I'm not going to even go look. You got me. But it's a report, so we don't know if it's actually if how much of this is actually true. I mean, I I can I would say that I would possibly believe it because you know you got to protect the IP. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I don't know. I don't know. Hey. Just don't know. All uh, right. It's, it's, it would be kind of sad if that is the case, but again, like I said, that's, yeah. IP rights are a, word, a, a silly thing. Next. The Sith Troopers from Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker have been unveiled for San Diego Comic Con in the lead up to San Diego Comic Con. 
Yep. So these are red armored soldiers, and they're going to appear in the upcoming film. Stop it. So yeah, I've seen see. jokes that this is what happens when the stormtroopers don't put on enough sunblock. <laughs> well, so, I mean, yeah, they were on that, that, that planet in Rogue One, so sure, why not? <laughs> that sounds stupid. Um, but hey, you know what? Well, there you go. You can get one when you're at, you know, heavily kitted, nicely kitted out, and missing everything in sight. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Um, actually, the Force Auto's guns are better than the originals, so. Nerd out just a little bit. Um, next up, Lego Zebra Batman exclusive to San Diego Comic Con 2019. Yes, folks, you heard those words come out of my mouth. <laughs> As you can see the picture here, sadly it's not Rainbow Rainbow Batman, and sadly it's not uh, Rainbow Colored Spidey from from Amazing spider Man 25, but I'm pretty sure that's probably going to be a figure. That has to be. Anyway, so yeah, you can see the Lego figure here, all dressed out in its Lego finery in zebra stripes, and sure, you can go check that out if you're a Lego and or Batman fan. Next. DC has unveiled the first gen lock cover art, so this is, what the hell is this? So basically, so um, so Rooster Teeth, who, who the likes of make uh, Red versus Blue and uh, Ruby, R-W-B-Y, um, also have, well, I think we talked about the, the Gen Lock show that they are also doing on YouTube, which is the thing that Michael B. Jordan is a part of that's been going okay. on since uh, January. They are going to do a comic book series both on Gen Lock and Ruby, RWBY. And, and there's also uh, rumblings of, and I believe this article says so, of a crossover between the two uh, from Brewster Teeth. So, there you go. That's that's pretty much that in a nutshell. I have not checked out Gen Lock um, and hadn't seen Ruby in a good minute, but hey, sure. That'll be stuff for for San Diego because um, they're gonna, I guess, you know, talk about that that a little bit more there. Okay. Uh, next up, Ryan Sook's Legend of Superheroes: The Redesigns Updated, which you know, so we've pretty much talked about some designs he'd already done, and I guess there's going to be more. Or there was some more designs that he put out, um, um, including Super Bowl, which I believe wasn't there previously. And a couple other people. So there you go. Next. Alrighty. So the cover. So the final issue of the Batman Who Laughs series uh, by the series artist Jock has been revealed, and it's sure to send a, a chill down fans' spines. So it was released as part of the announcement of the title's upcoming seventh and final issue. I wonder if anybody's ever said, "Get off his jock." Which, if you're of a certain vintage in certain areas, you would know what that yeah, means. Anyway, moving right along. The long-awaited Superman Smashes the Clan debuts this October. Um, the long-awaited, uh, the long-anticipated all-ages Superman adventure written by Eisner winner Jean Loon Yang is headed your way this fall. Um, it was announced at the beginning of last year. I don't remember that, but we may or may not have talked about it as a part we of... We did, I think. Yeah, because we did talk about the line, uh, that DC Zoom line, which is this is coming out of that's aimed at middle schoolers. Um, so yeah, uh, the comic will be coming out this October. Again, it's all ages. Um, uh, October 16th, to be more specific. 
And let's see, with the first of eight, three 80 page perfect bound issues, the collected issue will be released in 2020. Uh, yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, look out for that in October. Alrighty. Next up, uh, Bink. Uh, this is all you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guess what's late? <laughs> Doomsday Clock and in a minor issue, Shazam have slipped further behind schedule. So apparently, Shazam has pushed back a bunch of upcoming issues. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not the first pushback for Shazam, but definitely as we right on the schedule. Yeah. And uh, Doomsday Clock has been pushed back another two weeks to the end of August. That would be issue number 11. So my dollar bet still stands. My bet is that. Doomsday Clock will not finish until 2020, but there's still a very good chance it will, but I'm betting it won't, but it's only a dollar, but, you know, I think the odds are still good that it'll finish in 2019. Need that uh, that gif of um, the um, trading places guys <laughs> passing dollars between each other. Yeah, pretty much. Wizards of the Coast says 40 million people are playing Dungeons and Dragons. I don't doubt that. But that has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about next, which is DC rolling out uh, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive variants for new DC Universe one-year signups. So if you happen to be going to San Diego and you have already signed up for DC Universe and will be signed up for a year um, worth of DC Universe at the time that you're at the show, congratulations. You can go get a variant cover of... um, of a couple of books, of a couple of things. What uh, that being? Uh, Young Justice Outsiders number one, Detective Comics one thousand, Saga of Swamp Thing number twenty one, and Doom Patrol number nineteen. So, all right. I happen to be a part of DC Universe. Not going to San Diego. I probably wouldn't <laughs> care about the Denison if I care. Anyway, next up. Next up, Boom Studios has re- announced its uh, San Diego Comic Con exclusives, their panel schedule, and their schedule of special events. Yes. So yes, this is basically, and the next couple of articles are going to be pretty similar from other other um, other other companies. So yeah, they're lining up their 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 um, their panels and such for um, San Diego, which also Oni Press has done. Because here's what Oni Press plans for uh, San Diego Comic Con, and again, this is their slate of panels and their goings on, all lined up and numbered. So, if you are going to San Diego and, um, you know, care what you, at this point, you're probably already lining up what you're planning on doing, because that schedule's probably already out there. Next up. In fact, you know what? Let me just go ahead and do this last one. Uh, IDW rolls out uh, SDCC plans as it celebrates its 20th Comic-Con. So, again, like I said, this is um, IDW's list of panels and... um, things that they plan on doing during the show including looks like there's a panel with uh, George Decay and um, and a bunch of other things going on so cool next up this was just a setup so that I would get the next story <laughs> the Care Bears were out the Care Bears stare stare, stare. they're <laughs> out to strike up new friendships with Unlock the Magic they're coming to comic books, and they're back with their, uh, what's we call it? Um, they're going to come up with a three-issue comic book series debuting this week. Hmm. 
Yes, look out for the inevitable uh, My Little Pony slash Care Boys team up coming at some point. Because friendship is magic and you have to unlock the magic, so something's got to happen in between that. Right? Right? Right. I don't know. Next up, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fully debuts its female turtle, including her mask color. So there was a... um, I think I did tag the... um, the, uh, I did the put the tweet on here, but there was a tweet before I saw this article uh, from IDW, which basically here let me pull it up real quickly, like uh, of them basically spoiling uh, this in a sense because so the tweet goes due to recent storyline in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: City at War, we have created a unique spoiler reveal variant of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number ninety five to commemorate the newest turtle, Janika. Uh, we will be pre-selling copies for this book um, at uh, San Diego only and limiting it to one per person. And it, from the comments, it looks like it's going to be spendy. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the, so the Turtles have a new member, sadly not named uh, Venus de Milo, if anyone remembers the, um, the live-action show from the 90s. Yes, exactly. That many people do. Um, but yeah, but spoiler alert, yeah, there's a new turtle who was once human, was a man, who ends up getting a transfusion from from Leonardo and becomes a turtle. Which is why that's, you know, between this article and that, that kind of spoilerish thing on our thing. But again, I, so, as someone mentioned in the, the comments of that Twitter, it was like, yeah, they're trying to capitalize on the, um, <laughs> on the, um, on that reveal, I guess. So that's mm-hmm. why they do that. So, and it kind of makes sense. But yeah, so the Turtles got a new member. So I, I don't know if this makes them five or did one of the Turtles die? Uh, I don't know. doesn't matter because I haven't been reading that book. Um, but apparently that issue has also been sold out. When did that book actually come out? Uh, July 31st. So yeah, there you go. It'll be after, right? It'll be after the con. Mm-hmm. So there you go, and yeah, I, like I said, I read this article and I do remember seeing subsequent articles about what was kind of going on in that book surrounding before this. So, okay, that's the thing. Right. Next up, uh, next up, uh, the thirty-first annual Will Eisner Comic Industry Awards will be held and presented Friday night, July nineteenth, uh, just a short walk south from the convention center at the Hilton Bayfront uh, in in the ballroom. And Benedict Wong, Arena, Telgemeier, and more have been revealed as Eisner Awards presenters. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah, obviously we will, you know, after the show happens and the the awards get um, put out, we will I'm sure we will have the news coming from that. Um, maybe one of these days we'll actually report from San Diego in, on this stuff. Yeah, no, probably not. Anyway, next up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if anybody wants to sponsor that trip, I'm all for it. Um, I know there will probably be, well, two of well, we talked about this last week, two of us, because one of them is probably almost slated to go if they, if they get a chance to, and we know one, mm-hmm. of, one of us doesn't like to travel that far, but they do travel. Mm-hmm. So, anywho, um, what comics go with what com- uh, cocktails? Let Jeremy Hahn guide you. So this is a Kickstarter that I thought was slightly interesting. Uh, writer artist Jeremy Hahn is launching. Is wait, wow, this is a weird sentence. Is launching is bringing his love of comics together. Man, they need to edit that. Yep. Um, 
I'm, you know what? Hey, you can hire me for an editor. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, for a new project called Comics and Cocktails, the project hosted by Patreon will have a bi-weekly comic style uh, receipts. Shouldn't that be recipes? Receipts of Han's favorite cocktails. This isn't ingredients written on the back of a bar napkin. No, he'll be including illustrations of bottles, ingredients, and bar words, which sounds more like uh, recipes than receipts. So, but at some point, uh, he's uh, just aiming to collect these strips into a standalone book. Editors, yeah, editors, right. editors are key, man. You gotta, you gotta have them. Like again, oh, in, I <laughs> guess who read it, wrote it, <laughs> was an editor. But anyway, we're gonna let that smoke. Uh, we're gonna, you know, five will get you ten. They were trying out those recipes, and it came out receipts. Anyway, or uh, they were just rushing to get news out, like sometimes they tend to do, and didn't edit their own stuff. Anywho, yes. Last no! but not least, okay. Wait, did you say Narf? I did. Nice. Sorry, right, I stepped on that. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, last but not least, Valiant. I think we discussed this earlier. We or, yeah. Uh, at one point earlier, um, Valiant is releasing a collection of classic comic books in digital format. They're going to be 695 digital comics on one USB flash drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, these comics are going to uh, range from publication dates of January 1992 and June of 2000. So this is a previous iteration of Valiant. Right. So, yeah, we talked about the, that this was going to happen, but apparently it is now up for free uh, for pre-sale as of the 1st of July. And they will be released uh, in September of this year. So, if you are a Valiant fan and don't already have that that those books from that era and want a bunch of books on a hard drive that you could therefore back up on a um, a a hard drive on a computer and put out, I'm not going to do that. We don't condone that kind of stuff. But I'm saying you can have this. Get still in business doing their thing. And I think we 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 did have a lengthy conversation on this on this show about that stuff happening and the one mm-hmm. that we had. So that's kind of cool in a way, even though there are other ways to sell that stuff at this point. But that brings us to the end of the show. And we have one remaining ad read to go. Our last ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron has fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home. With Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. So place your first order with $30 off. And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. I would very much like some pizza right about now, not for nothing. Uh, But until that ends up happening or whatever ends up happening after this... Thank you, each and every one of you, for coming out. We are at the end of the show, and we love you all. And well, we love some of you. We won't love all of y'all. Let's, let's be let's be really real about that. So most of y'all are cool, though. Uh, but for myself, Rodicat, you who you can find at Rodicat on Twitter to send that hate mail to. Um, also, news needs need on Twitter. News needs Reddit. Uh, CB caps on Instagram. 
Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt on Twitter, Pop Culture Net on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and all of the umbrella sites therein. Tim, D O G G 9 8 on Twitter, The Click Nation on Twitter, The K L I Q N A T I O N, where is Letterman? C B Cron on Twitter, and of course, The, uh, the Click Nation.com, and Comic Book Resources, where he's over to writing his face off. Uh, you can find us on CSPN.us, that's the Coastal of the Podcast Network, and that is the site. Do it today. Exactly. And you can subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, on the Coast of the Podcast Network's page, and of course, Spotify, as I had to, someone asked me about earlier, uh, a, a day or two ago, which was nice. Nice. That. Yeah. Um, and with that, folks, we will see you back here next week uh, where we'll sure to be more San Diego news because we will be on the next cusp of it. it. Yeah, we will be on the cusp of... Uh, actually, yeah, the show will have right. started by then. We'll okay. have started. We will be neck deep in uh, San Diego announcements. That'll Most be basically part one. And we'll be recapping the announcements uh, on the week a- on the show the week after. Yeah, because there's usually a couple of couple of weeks, but uh, I mean, I've, obviously there's stuff beforehand. But yeah, there will be definitely some mm-hmm. news coming out the, the couple of weeks after that fact, and we will bring them to you because we love you like that. Right, and, and be, I was about to say, and, and bear in mind, there's a couple of big books that are coming out soon, so we're going to have some. Uh, some stuff to talk about. Oh in yeah, the stuff we right stuff that we alluded to earlier with uh, talking about the ending of an of uh, an event. Definitely, if that's what you were talking about. Well, that and uh, the big X event is coming too. Oh, right, that's well, that's the week after because that's the stuff not starting until the twenty fifth, I believe. Right, but that's been teased. There's actually been some teaser uh, paper, uh, some 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 teaser. Uh, like many posters that have been distributed this week. Well, so. yeah, that and that the documentary that we that we talked about last week and a few others. They, they're yeah, right. they're pushing that one. So yeah, definitely we will be talking about that a little bit more. And I'm pretty sure most of us will probably be reading that. So more on that when that happens. Until then, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. We out. <laughs>